Warning, this podcast features adult subject matter, adult language, and things not meant for children to hear. Viewer discretion is advised. You've been warned. Live, live, everybody, here on the I'm No Joe YouTube channel. First and foremost, folks, if you haven't yet, stop and wash your fucking hands in these crazy times. That is the most important message that can be reminded. Stay at home and wash your hands, and once you've washed your hands, then feel free to touch about your face and poke at your neighbors and shit, but make sure you wash your hands first. That's the rule. Welcome, welcome everyone to the latest episode of the I'm No Joe podcast, the show where every armchair quarterback can feel like a Dr. Fauci or an Eddie Bravo, whatever the day particularly happens to call for. Thank you, thank you everyone for tuning in. Uh, despite the current world's fucking craziness, we are here and will continue to be here so long as we are able to... Thank you everyone who is watching with us live and everyone who I imagine might catch this on replay because YouTube's been acting a little fishy lately and not doing so good with uh, telling people about shows that are happening even if it's their fucking channel. So what are you going to do? We're here regardless. But before we get too deep into it here, I would like to take just a moment to thank the fine folks who have come along with me for the shit-talking shenaniganry. First and foremost, the freshest guest one could possibly ask for, especially in these trying times, Mr. Fresho 3 himself. How are you doing, sir? What's up, man? I uh, So I went out earlier today and found a 12-pack of toilet paper. So here's what, I, here's what I'm willing to trade. Oh, I'll do three rolls for a nice uh, three-bedroom, two-bath. Uh, we'll take 1,500-square-foot home. Uh, and I'm also willing to go one roll for a uh, Subaru WRX STI. So anybody oh, who's interested. Package deal. 2020. 2020. Yeah, no, Has no to be a 2020 for one, for one full roll. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you guys know how to get in contact with me if you're if you're interested in either of these deals. I figured I'd put that out at the start of the show so I could be moving into my new home by the end of the show. Absolutely. I, I anticipate dozens of dozens of responses immediately. I think my, my Instagram is already blowing up and people trying to make sure they can contact you properly. So uh, we'll have to make sure they get forwarded accordingly. Oh, they are jumbo rolls too. Jumbo oh, rolls. See, there you go. Sweetening the pot after the deal's already out on the table. Just it's reasonable. Oh, I think it's reasonable. That's going to bring all the boys to the yard for sure. And uh, <laughs> across the octagon, as it were, most weeks, my brother from another mother here, my combat compatriot, my shit-talking homeboy, my Wednesday night brother-in-arms, Mr. Golf T himself. How you doing, TJ? Sort of shit, but glad I'm going to have something to watch this weekend. Um, it's, it's better than nothing. And the way things are shaping up... I think sports is a good thing to get people's minds off everything, whether it's Absolutely. a little bit of submission underground or whatever we can get at this point. I agree. Every little bit's helping out. That, I didn't feel like I need to put my feet up for a couple of days. Anyways, I'm pretty goddamn sore right now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> let, let everything kind of simmer down a little bit and just relax a little bit. And then we can start gradually easing back into the insanity that we've all kind of grown. So used to. Yep. I, I completely agree. So, as has been told to me many times by people smarter than myself, before we get too deep into our shenaniganry, to let the fine folks who are already watching know before they may tune out where they could find more of this they could possibly tune out to, 
if you are interested in more productions from the I'm No Joe YouTube group, the I'm No Joe channel in general, we do pretty much every Thursday, 9.30-ish Central Time Standard, the live I'm No Joe podcast here on YouTube. Subsequently, the following morning, you can get the all-audio version for your commuting pleasure on anchor.fm slash I'm No Joe. We are also on all social media platforms, YouTube, Instagram, Mixer for some video gaming at I'm No Joe on all of those. And if you wish to support the channel, patreon.com slash I'm No Joe for all of that exclusive content that can't quite make it live to the streams. You support the stream, we give you goods to watch and laugh and enjoy. So we do appreciate everyone who subscribes, who helps share the channel, who helps us grow in any way, shape, and form. Thank you to everyone, even if you're just lurking in the background and using this as background noise. We appreciate you guys as well. So, this is a little bit of an interesting episode. Um, we both do have an event in the combat sports world this weekend, but as is with kind of everything in the world right now, it is also dancing on that fine knife edge of still being able to be put on the way that they're trying to minimalistically put it on, and even then possibly still getting nixed at the last minute. So we are absolutely knocking on wood, fingers, toes, and nuts crossed, everybody Keep Submission Underground in your thoughts here. Uncle Chael has went through a lot of work to try and make sure that we have some sort of entertainment this weekend. And it may be at least a couple of weeks before we see anything else concrete. So more power to Uncle Chael for trying to put this on. And we are really hoping this becomes a thing. So, go right ahead. You know, I'm a little bit surprised here for this one reason. I'm surprised Uncle Chill is beating Daddy Dana to the punch. Yes. Especially when it comes to having some sort of combat sport available for people to view. I would have figured of any of those, the UFC would have been the first um, in the pool. But like you said, this could get canceled last minute. We'll see. Yeah, there are, there are still rumors. Um, apparently, Dana has been working very diligently to try and salvage as much of these next few cards coming up as possible, including 249, which as much as we'll talk about again in a little bit, is still up in the air just as much as anything else is right now. Um, but as of this moment, I literally am looking at the Submission Underground's Twitter page right now. I've checked the Instagram page literally just before we went live. As of right now, everything is full go-ahead. We are still greenlit. Everything is going on, obviously, behind closed doors due to safety restrictions. But as of right now, Sunday is a go. So um, that is the title, the namesake for this particular episode, Submission Underground 12. We will get into that in just a little bit here, um, but we do have a fair bit of news and recent events, obviously, with the world <laughs> as crazy as it is. Um, since the last time we saw you fine folks, obviously, we did not have a what-did-I-say show that last weekend because there was no event last weekend. Um, this weekend, kind of tricky. We might actually just work that into next week's news because, obviously, like we were talking about, this week's Submission Underground event is Sunday evening, right around the time we would be going live for that recap. So we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to there. But um, 
for some of the news, let us dig into this smorgasbord of plenty of info in the world of de combat sports. Um, first and foremost, one of the most publicly recognized and ignored things that has been announced in the last week or so, um, the owner of American Top Team, Dan Lambert, has come out and publicly instated what they are politely referring to as the Colby Covington rule, where no fighter under the ATT banner is officially allowed to publicly trash talk another fighter under the ATT banner. And as you would expect, almost immediately, Colby Covington comes right out and starts trash talking about Ioana Jacek and then Jorge Masvidal. And then Jorge Masvidal comes back and starts talking about Colby Covington and says that his trash talk is okay because Colby isn't really a fighter anyway and everybody knows that, so it kind of loopholes him through that. Ioana uh, no. went on Ariel Helwani's show and said that Colby's just a sad, sad man now and that his writing isn't even as good as it used to be, so she doesn't even want to give him attention anymore, which also, ironically, is still publicly shit-talking and ignoring the Colby rule that defines them to publicly shit-talk each other. So it is kind of exactly what you thought it was going to be. It's, it's really kind of a frat house atmosphere feeling down at um, ATT right now. Uh, Obviously, the Colby situation is not the only thing, but clearly it is very much one of the most predominant things taking over American top team down there. Um, and I'm not going to say it's related, but I'm very, very confident in assuming, as much as you can be in making an assumption, that it at least had a small part to play in the next thing that I want to talk about here, which is one of the cornerstones of American top team itself Dean Thomas, former UFC legend turned record-breaking fucking world-caliber coach, has officially decided on amicable terms that he is going to leave American Top Team now so that he can pursue head coaching on his own. And he said he just has a list of a bunch of fighters that he would love to work with, but being tied directly to American Top Team, he isn't able to. And it's not that he doesn't wish American Top Team, you know, any ill will or anything. He just wants to be able to help more people and work with a wider range of fighters, and you can't really fault a guy for that. I, I think that's actually going to work out better for everyone as, as much as it is bad news for ATT. Really, for the world of combat sports and for fighters in general, I think that's actually going to ultimately be a good thing because you've seen Dean Thomas in the corner. You've seen him on Dana White looking for a fight. You've seen Dean Thomas in the octagon. The guy is just a great human being all around, and... The fact that he was so restricted by being tied to ATT, I, I completely understand it. And I'm actually very excited to see who he's able to work with now because he's got a list of people that he wants to get in the corner with or at least get in the gym with and do some work. This is, I, I think it's only going to really be positive for everyone except ATT in this situation. Yeah, and I mean, there's nothing that stops him from working with someone at ATT. Again, exactly. Anyway. That, that was my thoughts as well, is that he could still work with those people. It's just now that yeah. he can't only work with those people exactly yeah i mean i could see him making a very 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 nice living just kind of going from camp to camp as yeah. you know popping like, coaches if you want to call them like that. hey dude you know like i could really use i could really use a hand with this guy i can't figure that i like i took this fight i might be in over my head right can you help right. me and right. he comes in and he comes in and works with you as best he can to try and you know oh, you said in a whoop baby that's all i needed to know yeah <laughs> So yeah, I mean, this is—I mean, it's—I think it's a great move for him. I think he'll—he'll he'll be able to make 
a really, really nice living, be able to work with a, you know, a wider, wider range of people, get his name out there a little more. And eventually he might start his own gym, you know, um, I don't think, I really, I really don't think he needs to, but you know, it's a, it's an option down the road. Yeah, absolutely. A prospect for him, which would also, I agree, would be equally as cool too to have a Dean Thomas gym. Fucking a. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think it's a positive move all around. I mean, I, I, things don't work out. Go right back to ATT. Yeah, absolutely. It's not like it would turn him away. Yeah, I agree. And that whole idea of being able to subcontract yourself out to other gyms or to fighters in general. If he's wants if he wants that more than he wants to be stuck at one gym where he's looking at certain fighters where he goes, I'm pretty sure I can help that person to achieve what they're looking to achieve. His head's in the right spot there. So you've got the right kind of guy for the job of anybody who wants to call him and ask for a hand. Absolutely. And you if you just take a minute to look back through his resume, both as a coach and a fighter and a commentator, like the man's resume literally will speak for itself. So uh, I agree a hundred percent, even if it doesn't turn out to go the way that he anticipates or, or hoped it would have went, it's not like ATT is going to close the door on him. So yeah, I, I think this is going to be a very beneficial thing for the combat sports world in general. You know, I, I think it can only, it can only go good for him. I don't, and unless he chooses to go back, some just shit bag, uh, which it's Dean Thomas is a pretty good judge it, of character too. So, yeah, I mean, even in that case, he might see some see something in him that that you know that other people aren't seeing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, even if he should yeah. decide to back a shit bag, there might be something in that shit bag that we just haven't seen yet that we need to give him credit yeah. to. I would, I would yeah, be like, very. Shows, if he shows up in like Kobe Covington's corner, I might be like, dude. Yeah, exactly. Like, if he goes out dude, on a limb, I'll be like, what? Like, you know. He sees something in it. Yeah, exactly. You still got to, you get to take that with a grain of salt. I agree. I, I well, think Dean uh, Thomas earned that respect at this point. Overall, what does he see that I don't? Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, that could definitely turn into some rabbit hole for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's dig deep on this kid. Really. Like, what, what, let's go watch some college matches and see exactly, yeah. exactly what I'm missing here. Yeah, because, well, and that's the kind of shit that Dean would do too. So it's like, that's another reason why I'm excited to see what he can do with just the full gamut of the roster of UFC fighters now, I think. Well, and not even just UFC. Like, look, think about all the Bellator guys that could benefit from having a Dean Thomas in their fucking corner for a couple weeks of camp. Yeah. Even, any any of those organizations, one, fucking PFL, whoever. Yeah, all he, of them. There's shit. plenty of fighters out there that could really benefit from him and up their game to the next level because of his help. Yeah, that we essentially we just saw one of the greatest coaching free agency open ups in uh, recent combat sport years, for lack of a better analogy. Yeah, <laughs> like the coaching free agency market just got real fucking spicy with Dean Thomas in play now. So, yeah, I I, I don't see a shortage of fighters that'd be like, dude, Dean's out helping people. Yeah, bring him in. Yeah, no, hand him, hand him, have, him, have, him, him, have him look at my have him look at my training regiment, you know. Yeah, and, absolutely. You know, if if everything works out, you know, we'll keep him on for the whole camp. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Like Which, there's just so there's so many things that he could do. Yeah, yeah, I'm happy for him with that news. Yeah, go go, Dean. Fuck yeah, yeah. hell yeah. You know, it, the one thing I wonder is because with that whole, I just want to go out and just try to help other fighters, not just the ones that they're saying I can help. I'm wondering what his fees are going to be for people. 
because uh, he's not going to come cheap. No, he's not. But at the same time, that's one of those. That's that's one of the reasons I, I likened it to a free agency because at this point he can basically write his own check. What he yeah. asks, he will get from someone. And if you are not that someone, there will literally be dozens of people lined up behind you who are willing to be that someone with a checkbook and a pen, re- willing to use your back to sign. So, yeah, I, I, I could I could see some I could see some young fighter being like, I can get Dean. I can get yeah. someone from America. I can get someone from American Top Team, where I'm, I'm nowhere close to being able to get into American Top Team. Right. And bring this guy in. I'm gonna. I'm basically gonna pay him a fight check. You know, pay him my last fight check to come in and help me get the next fight check and move me and move me up. I. It's. It's. It's not. There's no losing, in that situation. Well, and the fact that he's gonna have that exact opportunity that we might get to see potentially in the future that. Dean Thomas protege that he finds the raw diamond in the rough, the, the Ortega story, if you will, the yeah. Dean Thomas untethered now can just snatch us from the will of fucking MMA earth and find us a protege to be the Simba of what will be Dean Thomas's legacy. I, I like that makes me a little bit giddy as an MMA fan. I'm not going to lie. I'm half chubbed. Like it's, it's good times. <laughs> That's a that's a good way of putting it too, because it might be that lowly amateur that he sees while he's out scouting and yeah, now that his blinders have been removed and he can see the whole field. He's like, let me take this guy under my wing. Let's get him some proper training. We'll get him into a smaller gym where I can actually still walk in there and do what I need to do. Yeah. Puts time with him. That's a, that's a scary proposition for a lot of people because He's he's got that kind of eye. Yep. It's going to be interesting to see what he actually decides to do with this time away from ATT. Right. Yeah. Because somebody's going to benefit. It's and it's going to be a, a big benefit for someone. I don't know. I'm I'm excited. But uh, <laughs> moving on from there, obviously that one's got us all a little bit intrigued. Um, we did get a, a good fair bit of uh, new signing announcements here. Um, two in particular I want to talk about real quick. The first one, um, predominant UFC strike force. Uh, I believe he was in uh, WEC as well for a little while. Hennen Barrow has now, since being released from the UFC, signed again. We had a feeling he was not going to sit on a shelf for long. He's one of those you know, legitimate, still not maybe in their prime, but very viable fighters. And he got snatched up right away, but not by one of the organizations you might be anticipating. Um, we found out on Monday that Henan Barrow officially signed with the Serbian Battle Championship organization. Uh, fighting back in the Eastern Bloc, obviously he had multiple options, but felt that this was the best one to go with. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that goes, because even though it is a, a clearly a smaller organization bringing in somebody like Hennon may be enough to try and help boost the recognition of an organization like that and kind of help springboard them up to the level of an Aries or an LFC or, you know, uh, an Invicta on the ladies' side, you know, something that's right on the AAA league border. Not to mention, I'm sure he he's taking up a large portion of their pay. I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm sure he's going to take a what big the, chunk. Whatever yeah. their salary cap is, he's taking up a large portion of that now. Plus, he's still going to get all of his own sponsors again. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's going to be one of the biggest things that he would be willing to do something like this for, as we've seen a lot of guys like Sergio do. Them sponsors help when you get them all back. 
vets sponsorship makes such a big deal where some of these guys don't have to go to these bigger promotions you don't have to go to bellator you don't have to go to one you don't have to go to the ufc um, because if your sponsors are there you're gonna make a fuck ton of money cowboy's got his own fight league for a reason the cfl is a legitimate fucking fight organization putting on multiple events for a very very good reason all of those guys have their sponsors they're able to do this Yep. The only reason why the UFC has Reebok is because it makes them more money. They don't give a fuck about the fighters. And because they are the biggest household name of MMA, that's what allows them to do something like that and continue to keep top caliber athletes because they know that's where your name gets out. Absolutely. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure it doesn't hurt that one of those Eastern Bloc millionaires backed a backed a Lamborghini full of money back up to him. Like I, sure, I don't yeah. think that hurt the I'm sure that didn't hurt the proposition in the least bit as well. But, you know, and you're worried about oil? Don't worry, we got you for oil too. Yeah, sure. yeah. You got you're your okay. own little spot out here. Yeah, you'll be okay. <laughs> we'll we'll take care of you. Don't worry. Yeah. So, I, yeah. I think it's gonna be I interesting mean, I, to see. It's nice to see that it's it's so nice to see though the. Because I mean, a couple of years ago, like you you lost you lost your shot in the UFC. Like that was that was, that was it. the end. Yeah, absolutely. That was the end. Like, oh, well, shit. I guess I'll go fight over in Taiwan and and hope for the best. Yeah. You know, but which a lot of guys legitimately did, which is uh, ironically yeah. why Tiger Muay Thai in Thailand is so fucking huge because of a lot of expats who do exactly that when their career gets you know abruptly halted or veered off the path they thought it was supposed to go on. There's yeah. a market. Yeah. And now now there's a market. There's a market in a lot of different places. Hell yeah. So, so I mean, Serbia, I mean, it's not the, not where I would think who to did, go, but I yeah, mean, someone offered me, a, offered me a boat and some money and said I need to fight twice a year. I'm like, and I get all my own sponsors back. Right. Okay. So, there's, yeah, there's worse yeah. ways to make a living. I see, I see, <laughs> I see no problem here. If you're gonna fight twice a year, you still you're still at home ninety percent of the time training at home. But he's yep. back in Brazil. He's fine. Takes a plane, other side of the world, twice a year. Yep. And really, that's not that long of a flight to get over to Serbia from Brazil. No, yeah. it wouldn't wouldn't be all that terrible. I don't imagine. No, uh, probably about ten hours. Like <laughs> yeah, ten. Yeah, no shit. Not that. Not that bad, and you stay there for a month. Make sure you're cl- you're acclimated. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think it'd be definitely a doable thing. It's gonna be interesting. Yeah. Um, Got himself a old uh, little bed and breakfast there from. Yeah, month I, I was gonna say I'm sure they've got good. a little spot yeah. that they'll put him up when he wants to do his fucking in camp portion over there as well. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. It's easy enough to Airbnb a mansion. Hell yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> in these days, yeah, absolutely. I bet, fuck it, I want a castle. I want a Serbian castle. Right, yeah, fucking A, why not? At that point, fuck it, do all your fucking gym in the castle and shit. Yeah, yeah. that'd be pretty B.A. Baracus. Bare rug lined floors. Yeah. And I'm only going to pay you $500 a month. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, um, no, we also did get another interesting announcement here. Um... Ironically, a kind of the reverse of Henan Barau going to Serbia. This one, we've got a relative newcomer stepping up into one of the more predominant ranks here. Uh, we just found out on this Tuesday um, 
Bellator made a signature of the newest Gracie. Helen yes. Gracie, who is Helson's son. So I believe that puts the count, if my numbers are correct, to four Gracies in Bellator to two in the UFC. Hmm. Not that it's a race or a competition, but, I mean, Bellator's winning. Bellator's had more Gracies challenge for championships. Step it up, Dana, you're losing something. Yeah. Um, no, it, it, I'm, I'm happy to see more Gracie's following the family tradition and doing it in their own way, because much like we said about Crone, much like we said about Neiman, he is not, Halen is not a quote unquote traditional Gracie by any stretch of the imagination. Um, much like we rejoice about, um, both Neiman and Crone and much of the newer Gracie's, um, they embrace that Gracie traditional jujitsu background and adapt it for the new world of MMA. They incorporate more of the striking, more of the full grappling range, not just strict jujitsu like some of the originators, you know, tended to do. So it, it's yeah. going to be interesting to see how this next iteration of the next iteration, if, as it were, of Gracie's uh, fares over in the world of Bellator. Go. I was gonna say I don't have much to say. I don't have much to say about a Gracie until I see him in the ring. So yeah, it's Very all true. gonna depend on what his hands look like in there because you know what we all know he's gonna have an immaculate ground game. There's yeah. there's no questioning that. Depends on what their hands look like because unfortunately we've only seen one with half decent hands so far. And I remember Hoist. I remember Hoist knocking somebody out once. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty, but it yeah, happened. I was gonna say it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't necessarily his strong suit, but uh, he, yeah, he, he did it had to prove he did clobbers. It. Yeah, he did it to prove a point. Yeah, very, very Anderson Silva esque of him. Uh, kind of, I can do whatever you think I can't do. So, oh no, knockout power here, kapow, and, and back yeah. to jujitsu. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was one of the it was one of the ugliest hoist fights I've ever seen in my life. But so yeah, I mean, I, I a, a Gracie. A Gracie, like I, I, these days, it has evolved so far past like what it was back in the day that I, I need to see, I need to see a little, I, I need to see a little bit of you in action before I, before I buy into the Gracie hype train. I mean, I, not to say anything bad about the Gracies, like if I got a chance to roll with them, I'd probably turn it down because I'd get hurt really badly. Um, so I mean, yeah, it's not, it's not like I'm saying anything bad about the Gracies, but I want to, I want to see you, I want to see you in the ring and make sure that you can that you can throw a little bit and that you've got some defense against quite frankly, the, the, the high end of what MMA has become. It's such yeah. a, it's such a, it's exactly what it's just a mixed martial art. And if you're really, really good at one thing, that'll get you a little ways, yeah. but you gotta be You gotta be pretty darn good at everything in order to make a name for yourself. And you can't ride, you can't ride those. You can't ride that, that Gracie, uh, that Gracie yacht forever. Right. So. I was actually having that conversation with a, a friend of mine the other day who had uh, basically fallen out of following MMA a couple of years back and is now starting to find their way back into it. And they were, they were talking about how so many of the fighters nowadays really are legitimately well-rounded. And, and that was exactly the yeah. point that I was making is that the days of the one-trick pony, the quote-unquote specialists, is, is pretty much gone. Like, you have to be able to, at the very least, minimally do everything 
to be able to keep up in the current age of, of modern MMA because yeah. being a specialist in anything at this point means you focus too much on one thing and you've let too many of the other possibilities slip to the wayside. Yeah. And it might get you two or three wins in the yeah, UFC or Bellator or wherever. It might get you two or three wins, but then the tape's going to be out there. Right. It's like, it's like a, a good analogy is like an NFL quarterback. Like you can be really good at one thing. Like Colin, Ka- Colin Kaepernick, he was really, really good at rushing. He, w- he had a hell of an arm. Yep. He could not throw a mid-range pass, and he could not throw a short-range pass. It took the NFL, it took the NFL about, about 12 games to figure him out. And once they figured him out, that was yeah. it. Yeah, he got shut down quite a bit once he got his, once he got his yeah. playbook note. And so it's the same thing. You put, you put two or three fights out there, you know, that are, that, you know, you might take one quick. You might take another one quick, and then someone's going to find a way to stretch out the fight. Yeah. And then the next person's going to have it down. And you can't keep doing the same thing. You have to You have to keep evolving your game. And that's, like I said, I, I got to see a Gracie in the ring. You got you to gotta show me in the ring. Well, and a great example of that, Johnny Walker. Johnny yeah. Walker's first, what, half a dozen fights were so fucking quick and so unorthodox Nobody had anything for him, and the second somebody stretched him out a little bit, and you started to wear through and realize, like, uh-huh. yeah, he's he's a button masher on loop. Like he might be good at what he does, but his his repertoire isn't that extensive. And as soon as you can stretch him out a little bit and make him work and make him spend the time, we've started to see lots more holes in his game now. So, oh yep. fuck yeah! There's <laughs> a reason why people are beating him consistently now. Yeah, no, it's people got tape on him. Yeah, got to stay evolving. Oh, it is. Yeah, you second get stagnant. Someone, second, someone can see the see the extent of your game. Yep, you, you get stagnant. Gonna start being solutions in camps. Absolutely. Dean Thomas. Right. Thomas coming in. <laughs> coming in with a solution. Okay, so um, next thing I want to talk about real quick. Um, initially, on Monday, we had gotten word from Dana White that the UFC 249 event itself, since being bumped officially out of Brooklyn, was 99.9% done with a full undercard. But they weren't releasing the location just yet because it was still 99.9% done. Then, yesterday, we got word from Dana that 249 is officially confirmed, booked, Mm -hmm. full card, early prelim full uh event card itself no crowd but he's still not going to release the location yet for security's sake because they still have to make sure they can get everybody to wherever the fuck this is going to be um ironically enough um the vegas odds have put the betting favorites for the location of ufc 249 because las vegas will find odds for anything the mm-hmm. odds of the location for UFC 249's betting favorite as of right now are Florida. Because no. Florida. So no. we, we'll have to see how that actually plays out. But um, Dana has said uh, now multiple times since the initial um, that it is 100% confirmed, booked, full card. Everybody's still in. We'll see. <laughs> I highly doubt it's anywhere stateside at this point. I would take I would take the number two odds. The number two odds is over in the UAE. Yeah. 
Um, I would totally take I would totally take those odds over the top of of anywhere in Florida. Yeah, anywhere in the U.S. I would I would take I would take anywhere in the I would take anywhere outside of the U.S. as a more likely candidate for for where it's going to take place. Fuck, go go stack some Conaxes. Fucking stuff a AC unit in the middle of the fucking desert where nobody knows where it's at. Bam. Yeah. Perfect place to do it. You could absolutely yeah. create an event out in the middle of fucking nowhere out there. Real easy. As sanitized as and, and could fucking be. He's going to set up a floating barge in the fucking Everglades to get this fucking fight to go. It's... Like it, there's yeah. n- it's... Wait a minute. Like, a, like, like, uh, like, like submission by alligator. Like the, right. Shouldn't they just do it like out in the middle of the fucking salt flats, mm-hmm. or out in Death Valley? Yes. Set up a big old fucking circus tent, get AC running through that thing, just so it's cool enough to keep the fighters able to fight. Bam, bam, drunk. I mean, look, fucking Burning Man sets up a whole goddamn city with its own postal code once a year. Yeah, literally. It's. it's... I'm just saying, it doesn't have to be in a fucking city somewhere. Yeah, no. no, there's the possibilities are ridiculous at this point. Airplane strongest... I'm, I'm really, really interested to see where this card is and yeah, see what yeah. it's going to be. Uh, that's that's what I'm thinking. Is he's basically guaranteed everyone who is willing to put down the pay per view money that this is happening, and has literally said, "Bet me your pay per view money that this event happens and happens in full, like I'm promising it will." So. And he like the fighters that are kind of swarming around Vegas right now. Like, there's a lot of people that, like, I, I'm today. Apparently, he went off on somebody um, because he's tired of getting questioned. He's tired of getting questioned <laughs> about this. So old old Dana White made it reared his ugly head, and he was like, "Fuck all of you." Yep. Um, but um, like, there's like he said he said. This is going to be the most badass UFC card that that can be put together. Yeah, and I'm you if you if you take a look at who's in the, who's been in the area talking, it's going to be there's some there's some names there's well, some there's some badass names floating around. That's actually one of the next things that I wanted to talk about real quick since we're talking about UFC 249 and what potentially may become the biggest UFC card they have ever put together. Um, they have uh, announced unofficially through both sides of the channel here during the last week that they are interested in potentially moving Francis Ngannou versus Jairzinho Rosenstreich as the uh, co-main event for UFC 249 behind Tony or ahead of Tony and Khabib. I mean, I would love to see that. I would not kick that fight out of bed for eating crackers. And then, I mean, the other things you got to think about is there would be um, people that were in camp already for these canceled cards. Yep. Already ready to fight. Like There were some really good fights that got canceled. Yes, yes, there absolutely were. And uh, ironically stuffing enough... Them, stuffing uh, them into the, into the main card? Fuck yeah. Dana White has, has said um, one of the other things that he talked about yesterday in his little mini press brinkets that he's doing now all the fucking time. Um, every fight from all of these cards due to the craziness going on right now that has been postponed 
will be rebooked. Now, he said, obviously, because there were a bunch of them that have been scrapped in the interim of what we're dealing with right now, we might not be able to get all of them booked back within this calendar year because we're quite literally losing almost an entire quarter's worth of fights. So, obviously, we might not be able to get them all back in this year, but every fight that was postponed because of this craziness will be rebooked. And it looks like they are starting to go through and pick out some of these bigger fights and possibly move them into what is quickly becoming UFC 249 and potentially the craziest, craziest fucking card the UFC has ever put together. So oh, it's going to be so awesome. I'm, I'm kind of on board whether I want to be or not at this point because there's so much going on. You kind of have to just strap in and see where the fuck we're going to end up. Yeah. I don't know. I, this, I think they, like this has the recipe for being like the most awesome thing the USC has ever done or if, just the, it, yeah. the biggest fucking drain wreck that's ever happened. I was going to say if they can pull it all off, if they can put all the pieces in place properly in the next two and a half weeks, we could potentially see the greatest thing the UFC has ever done. And the reason that they have justified a four billion with a B dollar vestment as a fucking company so the opposite side of that is that if they fuck this one up this is going to be one of the most public pants shitting in history yeah you know i as long as there is a card that is headlined by habib and tony they can't fuck this up no matter what the rest of the card looks like at this point if that happens we're good to go. They could have they could have the rest of the card be the professional fillers. Bum fights. Professional those professional matter. filler guys, those dudes that live those dudes that live around Vegas or live around wherever, and they will take a fight on a minute's notice. They don't give a shit. Oh, it, and they put on they're is. always there to th they're always there to throw down. Yeah. Like there could be some really good fights that just kind of they were the last horse to pull out of the race. When it came to, we're going to keep going. Then, to be honest, the U.S. Oh, all right, I'm not taking the international market into this. Just the U.S. as a whole. The U.S. has always rallied around sports when bad shit is happening. Yep. yep. You go to back to World War II. Baseball helped a lot of people get through it. They started a women's fucking professional baseball league. Thus, the a game of our own movie that did very well back in the day, but all that's always been the U.S.'s moniker is get behind sports somehow. This could be huge for the UFC because there's not any live sporting events right now. Yeah, this can be that one that makes this topple fucking NFL, basketball, baseball, something like that, where it goes, hey, these guys are back in it. We're going to get behind this. That might be what everybody needs. And I'm not saying it's going to fix the situation that's going on, but that's a huge power move for them if they pull it off. So even if the rest of the card is shit, as long as it's headlined by those two, not to mention what were we saying five months ago when we saw this fight was booked, we said something is going to come up and fuck this up. Didn't think it was this. Didn't think it was this, but we knew something was coming because, yeah. man, it's like there's a 
just been something in the way of Khabib and Tony for fucking ever. So as long as they can pull that fight off, the rest of them don't matter because it seems like this one has been doomed since the first time it ever got booked. I mean, and then and then the possibility of Nagano Rosenstrike being right there is the co-main event. Like that's- yeah, when I saw that, I was like, I was like, that's that's main event material right there. So yeah. if that fucking goes in there, <clears throat> we're just looking to see somebody get sent into fucking orbit there. Gonna be fantastic. Or their fucking lip exploded. Yeah, somebody's somebody is going to just get absolutely murdered in that fight. It's gonna be fantastic as always. Absolutely. Those two are fucking monsters, and that I fight is going to be spectacular. If that fight comes up, I wonder if there'll be a Vegas thought on whose lip gets exploded. Uh, there might be. I think after Alistair got cooped, there's there's probably a good chance. Yeah, I'm just saying. Be a nice prop bet. After after that fucking one, that that looked like Alistair had a fucking little fucking M80 stuck in his mouth and lit yeah, that motherfucker and let it go really off. Did. Well, for a week it did. Yeah. Yeah, plastic, <laughs> really good pro, yeah props to one of the most beautiful plastic surgery jobs I've ever fucking seen because literally nine days later he was sitting in the crowd of the next event looking smooth as a motherfucker with no stitches, no fucking giant blown open hamburger looking scar, nothing. Just a little tiny line that has eventually since then filled back in. If you look at him now, yeah. you literally can't tell. He had a finger-sized hole in his face. I'm still so impressed by him after that fight because even after the fight, he was smiling the whole fucking time. Oh, yeah. Just a big old hanging there. His fucking mouth, hamburger flap. Looking yeah. like Two-Face. Yeah. It looked like Fucking or Jonah Hex. Yeah, Jonah Hex right there. <laughs> no doubt. Fuck. Yeah. Oh, so I, interesting. Interesting potential. Going back to that card thing, there's no way they can fuck it up. As long as the card happens, it can't be messed up. I agree. It doesn't matter. The only thing that could possibly fuck it up, judges. Yeah, pretty much at this point. And I think seeing as how this is clearly so fucking important, I don't think there's going to be a lot left in the hands of randomness. I think it's going to be a lot of pressure on whatever commission decides to sanction this thing to make goddamn sure you put the most competent fucking people you possibly can because this will be one of the most visibly scrutinized public events in recent memory combat sports or otherwise because of how big it's built into in sporting history possibly yeah absolutely this is this is building it's going to be highly scrutinized both ways whether whether it's a fuck up on the judges behalf or that they're actually going to do the event it's going to be scrutinized one way or another but if a judge fucks it up in the middle of all that yeah that's just going to blow the roof off place it's definitely going to be, you, I, I'm certain you will hear us talking about this again between now and then. Um, moving on to the next thing I do want to talk about, interestingly enough, though, um, with all of the craziness going on, possible postponements, and some people going above and beyond out of their way to try and get back into the octagon, maybe faster than they possibly were supposed to have, maybe a prank went a little awry on them, it's not really clear to quite tell at this point in the game but one thing we do know is that Tuesday we found out that USADA has officially suspended 
a doctor or lack thereof doctor, I guess would be the better way to phrase it here. Um, a, I'm using air quotes for those of you listening, doctor who initiated an IV supplement, quote unquote, uh, recharge during the procedures recently with Paulo Costa has been suspended by USADA for knowingly using an IV without clearing it with USADA. So, again, as if we couldn't get enough controversy around Paulo Costa and his bullshit, questionable nonsense, now we've got a report of him having an IV from a quote-unquote doctor who has since then been suspended by USADA, which is a strange thing to hear unto itself. So, I mean, we, we've already heard from Dana that he's going to get the next title shot as soon as he's healthy. But with shit like this starting to unfold now, what the fuck is really going on with Paula Costa just in general? The injury wasn't really an injury that was still kind of an injury that got released by a doctor that wasn't really a doctor, and then an actual doctor gave him a bad IV when he wasn't supposed to have an IV, but now that he's okay because the fake doctor called and gave him a note that didn't clear because he wasn't a real doctor? What the fuck, dude? So, now, was the, again, air quotes, doctor that Yasada suspended, was he actually a doctor? And if so, again, air quotes, if so, what did they do? Take away his medical license? Because I'm pretty sure Yasada doesn't have that fucking authority. No, they yeah. just what? Uh, are they saying Yasada can suspend him from from working with from working with yeah from working with USC sanctioned fighters basically? Yeah, yeah, fucking stupid. Uh, yeah. I mean, go back and be like I don't I don't know what this guy is. So I mean, do any of us know? Was he just like a PA? Like, uh, we yeah. Did not get the official full detail, just and, that he is a quote-unquote doctor who administered a IV in Costa recently. Um, did, did Costa know, knowingly know that? These are the things we'll never know. We'll never know. So It's getting okay. real interesting in the story of Costa these days. This is, like, obviously I had no idea this was going to be the level of what the fuck we were going to get to. But I said a long time ago when there started to be a little bit of a hype build around Costa talking about how he should get the next title shot long before he had even fought Romero. There were people in his camp screaming about how he's the best, how he's supposed to be the next face of the generation or, about how, or the division rather about he's supposed to get his time, he's due his time, blah, blah, blah. And then they start trying to push him. There was something that felt fishy about this motherfucker back when he was still a nobody and you saw the pictures of him from when he first started training and he looked like a normal dude and then all of a sudden this Lou Ferrigno-esque Brazilian dude shows up and he's ready to fight. And I mean, we've seen this type of transformation before and it generally doesn't come quote-unquote naturally. Now mm -hmm. we've got all these medical fuckery reports and USADA suspended a doctor that's been working with him and gave him injections and an IV. Like, I, now, I think we might be starting to see. What, Go ahead. Did they even say what the IV solution was? What was in it? I think it was, wasn't a nutritional. I think it, it was would, nutritional. It, yeah, it was a, a supplemental vitamin thing. Now, yeah. when it's out of competition, that should make a goddamn difference unless he pisses off. Exactly. So I this think there's so more to this than what they're saying, That's... because 
the only time an IV is not fucking okay is in competition prior to the way or after the weigh-in like they used to do to rehydrate that's the only time it's not acceptable what was actually in that solution right i I think there's uh there's a little bit of details that they're leaving out to let people speculate on which is why i'm asking the fucking question because what was in it that you're going to suspend a guy for giving a guy an iv Um, so what if you gave him some vitamins not a big fucking deal now yeah are were you pumping him full of steroids knowingly trying to mask it with some vitamins yeah that's and see that's a if that's something the doctor was doing by then all means fucking thing but costa should know exactly what's being put into his body exactly mm-hmm. because if he pisses hot he needs to be able to trace that back say exactly where it this came is from. where it came from yep. so that way he can exonerate himself just as we saw diaz do fuck you guys put the fingers up to everybody yep. fix the shit and they fix it quick <laughs> like that exactly <laughs> so i'm just saying there's there's something fishy going on there and it sure is fucking dinner yeah i agree i'm i'm wondering if we're really starting to see the uh the threads unravel at the end of the tale that used to be paulo costa because i mean between this quote-unquote legitimate doctor now being suspended by USADA, his fake doctor trying to call and get him medically cleared to fight before he's actually been medically cleared to fight by a UFC doctor, and all of the other uh, supposed supplement-slash-steroid uh, issues that he's had in the recent past, there's there's a lot going on with Paulo Acosta that I don't like, and it just seems like it's been sketchy from the jump, and I'm hoping, at least now that we've got a little more time on our hands as a society that we're going to get to the bottom of what the fuck is actually going on with that dude. Cause either he's got the worst set of fucking luck imaginable. And we just have to get him in the cage with Izzy and get this settled. Or this dude is nothing but fuckery and we need to just get him out and down the goddamn road. But there's something, something sketchy either way here that needs to be investigated. I would say. There's, there's something fucking just crazy going on there. Right. I, I really, I just want more details so that way we know exactly what the fuck happened there and right. why. And that's that's the tricky thing too is that now that it because it's USADA, USADA will not release the initial details without the other party releasing details first. And because he is a doctor, and this is an issue with his medical procedures, I have a feeling we might not see the other side of this story. Yeah, you probably never hear anything about what's actually going on. Yep. Shit. Yeah, what are you going to do, though? Um, yep. Moving along from there, a couple other things we do want to talk about here. Um, obviously, with the world situation being that as it is that we have to Voldemort-esquely speak about it so as to not upset the YouTube algorithm gods and get every fucking video taken down, um, we have had an ever-growing number of events obviously being canceled in the wake of public safety. Um, We did actually get two more announcements this last week, both um, large, one obviously larger than the other, but both legitimately worthy of noting the cancellation, uh, excuse me, the postponement 
I apologize. Both have officially been postponed and not canceled, which is actually why I wanted to mention that, because uh, unlike everything else that is being canceled in the moment, these have both officially just been postponed. I apologize for misspeaking. The first thing was originally scheduled to take place on July 19th, that being the trilogy, the eventual finalization of the rivalry that would have been Fury versus Wilder, officially on postponement. As of yesterday afternoon, they're ideally looking to reschedule this for some time in late September, early November. But again, we will have to wait and see how the course of the world's ever-changing situation plays out to find out how that actually gets there. Um, the other one that has officially, as of right now, been postponed, this one a little bit bigger and a little bit more of a postponement, as of yesterday afternoon from the IOC directly, it is official the 2020 Summer Olympics in Tokyo have officially been postponed. Um, as of the latest approximations, the earliest they will be able to reschedule and get this on place because they refuse to cancel it due to circumstances. They just want to push it back and make sure that everyone involved will be obviously safe. Um, so they're saying that ideally we will possibly see this as a 2021 Olympic Games because obviously with everything going on right now, we won't have enough time to get everything rescheduled last minute. So it, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how that all plays out because the IOC has got a lot more power, a lot more people, and a lot more money at play than just something like a UFC or like a regional fight organization. So... I think this is really going to be kind of the canary in the coal mine, as it were, to see how the full, proper rescheduling of something like an international Olympic event gets postponed and then reestablished. Mm, mm. If it gets end up pushed back to just, let's say, a year, it's kind of interesting for a lot of reasons. Um, for one, you're going to get a Summer Olympics and then uh, followed by that next year, a Winter Olympics, because normally it's every other year you get one and then the other because they're four years apart for, for Summer Games. And so does that throw everything off? Do they push everything from there out another year? Right, yeah. How does the ripple effect fall back? Or do they just say, no, you have three years from this Summer Olympics to the next summer, so that way everything goes back on track again? I think it would be I think it would be exactly what you just said, TJ. Everything pops back into its normal schedule because there's so much money involved uh, with the cities that it just like they they invest billions in a city oh, and yeah. then wait for that wait for that event wait for that event wait for that event and and they do it like twelve years out. Right. So I don't see I could see them postponing one, but then getting to another one like. I, I just see. I just see it. We'll have a summer, then we'll have a winter, and then it'll be another two-year wait till the summer. And, and, and I'm pretty sure that was what it's going to be. But I'm just going to be interesting to see how they handle it. Because yeah. I think you said it best that it is that canary in the coal mine situation to see how that pans out. Because that'll tell everybody how the rest of the sports world is going to follow suit. I agree. I agree. The much. NFL draft is happening. Yep. Yeah, on schedule. That's, that's yeah, and that's one of the few things that, as of right now, is still on schedule to be happening. Yep. Is the NFL draft, so we will absolutely have to see how.
how that shakes out as well. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see how they how they pull it off. I mean, it's it's totally going to be an in studio thing. They'll have reactions from people. At right. Home. Yeah, you'll have the webcam reactions from people in their yeah, home the with their small gatherings. Yeah. Everybody walk, and I mean, it's going to be hard not to not to hear Roger Goodell get booed every time right. he comes out on stage. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy that. Everybody's going to so. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it, it like I guess I could boo at home for Roger Goodell. Boo, boo this man boo right. this man but I think everybody will <laughs> that's good uh, maybe i can teach my son to do it then too and then it'll be at least like a little crowd <laughs> yeah exactly mrs yeah. tj just sticks her head in boo right boo. Back to whatever she's doing <laughs> oh no a couple more announcements here i do want to get into here um we have one that <laughs> It, it both was and wasn't an announcement at the same time. It was announced and then subsequently denounced and then announced but not confirmed again, all within the span of three to four days, depending on your time schedule. <laughs> um, what we initially heard was that Aljamain Sterling had been booked against Corey Sanhagen to fight at UFC Fight Night San Diego may 16th because that one hadn't been canceled yet and like we talked about last week the ufc is still trying to book fights prospectively going out because obviously there's a lot that have to be rebooked and some that haven't been made yet that still have to be made despite the postponements and the craziness we're dealing with but the issue here was that the day after we got reports from multiple sources that sterling versus sanhagen had been booked for san diego Aljamain Sterling came out and actually made a series of anger tweets uh, basically saying that the world is on lockdown and he can't even get to his gym to train. So how the fuck can there be a fight agreement this close? Because realistically, we're almost into April here. May 16th puts us, you know, six, seven weeks out from, from really fight short camp. That's a short, short camp to begin with. And then if you haven't been able to get into your gym due to the social circumstances of the last few weeks and the severity that it's increasingly getting to now, how the fuck are you going to be able to legitimately train even on a short notice camp at that for a fight of this caliber? Realistically, Sanhagen's no joke, and this could potentially be a title qualifier or title contender qualifier match between the two of them. So I I understand it. Uh, I don't. For kind this of, reason, kind of. I can't give him a pass on this. Sanhagen can't go to his gym either. Right. So you're both on equal playing terms at this right. point. I, I completely You know what agree. your tools are. You can both sit at home and watch each other's film, break it down. You can have your coaches on Skype with you, breaking mm-hmm. it down, going over the details. You can do the in-home gym thing. Fuck, there are plenty of fighters out there right now that if you watch social media, they're still training, set up shit in their garage, have ordered heavy bags, whatever. Yeah, UFC social media was highlighting them all today. They Literally, just before we went live, they were highlighting uh, Michelle Waterson doing her at-home workout routine under the stay-home-stay-safe order that we're, we're well, currently fuck, dealing with. So. Look, okay, let's just go this route even the most prominent fucking person on fucking social media that's ufc that apparently makes more money than everybody else on instagram Paige van Zandt. you see her in her fucking home gym working out for the last fucking two three weeks now because of all of this yep. mm-hmm. guess what 
it's out there. There's no excuse. Even if you can't get to your gym, you're going to be on equal playing field because he can't get to his gym either because of the social distancing that's enacted right now. It is what it is. Don't make a big deal out of it. You're both going to be a little off your game. That's just how that works. Unfortunately, it comes with the territory. Being a fighter, you have to be able to adjust on the fly when you're in the cage. You're not in the cage right now, so you should be able to adjust on the fly now as it goes. Yep. I, I can agree with that as well. I can agree with that as well. And don't get me wrong. I get on. I, I and I'm not saying he doesn't have the right to be upset. I'm just saying you really can't make that point when your opponent is going through the same exact shit. Now it'd be different if you had some fucking sort of epidemic that was in your area where only your area of the country is not allowed to do something. Right. Being as it's, this is a country and worldwide at this point, you're on equal playing field at this point, in my opinion. I, I think my biggest issue with it at this point isn't that he's complaining about his gym being closed. It's that literally two weeks ago, Monday, he was on Ariel Hawani's show talking about how after the surgery on his hand, he still can't quite make a full closed fist and showed the still healing bump that was on his knuckle that he just had to have surgery on a couple months back he doesn't look like he's ready to be negotiating fights to begin with. So for him to bitch about the announcement of this fight being because he can't get to his gym, like, I, I get the angle of, if I can't get in a full camp, I can't really get a legitimate fight in to a degree. But then it comes back to, uh, like you said, the, the fact that Corey can't get in his fucking gym either, so that's absolutely an even playing field, but my biggest concern is, sup with that hand, homie? Like, <coughs> regardless of the short notice, two weeks ago you were talking about how you couldn't make a fist and you were still doing physical therapy. Now you're debating whether there is or isn't a fight being announced? The... Eddie Bravo, hashtag look into it, is all I'm saying. <laughs> seems like lately a lot of guys with quote-unquote hand injuries have had real sketchy circumstances around said hand injuries, and it looks like old Aljo might be the latest to fall into that particular fucking set of circumstances. I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see how that plays out. A um, little bit less exciting news, but uh, very much relevant. I, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I don't just do this show so that I can talk about cool fights that are coming up with you guys. Uh, I do this so that I can try and educate the average MMA fan, even the hardcore MMA fan, on news that's going on in the MMA world that you might not otherwise hear about. This is one of those that I've only seen a few outlets cover, and that's why I want to make a point to mention it, because this sport, being what it is, obviously losses are inevitable at some point, but... To those who helped pave the way and get it to where it is, they deserve all the respect that they have earned, in my opinion. And this is one of those situations. And the fact that it's not getting the coverage that it deserves, in my opinion, is an absolute fucking travesty. Um, Bronco Sikotic, uh, one of the legitimate legends, as, as in my opinion, it should be a name as synonymous as a Gracie in the world of combat sports. He predominantly fought in both pride and k1 grand prix matches 
uh, legitimate legend of the world of combat sports, passed away this week from uh, complications related to Parkinson's disease at the age of 65. Um, family was around. Uh, it's just, it, it's one of those that it's an event when you're dealing with a, a situation like Parkinson's that you unfortunately know is inevitable, but it doesn't make it any easier and it doesn't make it any less of a tragedy that a legend of this caliber has passed. And the fact that the, the media that cover MMA by and large are letting this sort of slip under the rug as a quote-unquote not as relevant story as things like UFC 249 being kicked out of Brooklyn kind of bothers me a little bit. And that's one of the reasons why I try and go out of my way to take a second to bring stories like this into the broadcast. Because as much as we laugh and as much as we joke, as much as we fuck around, there are still legitimately serious things like a legend passing and not getting the recognition he deserves that I feel are are important enough that they need to get the second, even if it's just on a little show like ours, a man who helped build the thing that we love has, has been taken from the world and isn't getting his due. So I just want to make a point to, to wish our best to, to send our thoughts to the family and to thank the man for, for what he gave the sport that we love. Yeah. Uh, that, that is definitely something where it, it kind of boggles your mind. And I get it with everything else that's going on currently. The news group wants to report strictly on what's going to make the oh my God headlines. Unfortunately, for a lot of us who have been following mixed martial arts for a really long time, we know these people. However, the newer fans that have come on board since, let's just say in the last five, six years, ten years even, they're not going to know who he is. Yeah, it's not a, a necessarily a, a, a weekly He's household. About household name. Yeah, and, and for uh, people like let's say ESPN, for example, who does a lot with mixed martial arts now. They're not going to cover it because half of them don't know who he is. In fact, you could probably ask anyone that reports on MMA outside of maybe Ariel Hawani and Brett Akimoto, they're not going to know. In fact, I'll take this a step further and... Let's see if old Dick Punch himself knows. Um, I highly doubt it. I would wager my fucking salary that he doesn't. Yeah. For the rest of us, though, it is definitely it is kind of a punch in the dick that that's not mentioned. Because to be quite honest, Parkinson's also goes hand in hand with dementia and those types of diseases. So they fall into that same category. Unfortunately. Yeah. Does some C there's some CET things that happen with it and yep yeah. CT does come with it it's yep. definitely a contributing factor I mean look at Muhammad Ali for prime example he yep. suffered with Parkinson's for how many years yep forever and yeah Sakaktik so was he was back from legitimately the old school rough and tumble days of mixed martial arts and combat sports where pads didn't fucking matter cups didn't fucking matter time limits didn't fucking matter rules didn't fucking matter this is a fucking fight back then so mm -hmm. i have no doubt that he legitimately probably took some serious damage that in today's day wouldn't have been allowed and i just i feel that he deserves all the respect for helping pave the way to get us where we are today a hundred percent 
But moving on from something quite, quite grim to something a little less grim and a little more back into the ironic hee-hee side of things. Um, a couple weeks back, and it's been several weeks now, uh, we had a event take place in Texas that turned out to just be fucking absolutely rife with shenanigans and fuckery on the commissioned side of things, as it were. Just almost everything about that whole card that took place in Texas was fucked up in one way or another. Turns out, this week we have found out that Texas Commission is not done dicking the fans. And the UFC, through that event that has now been literally months past, uh, the Texas Commission has, as of Wednesday evening, officially overturned the 37-second knockout debut of one Journey Newsom to a no-contest loss um, due to the rules of the Texas Commission. They do not have to release the reason for this particular decision being overturned, as we have seen in several historic cases before, which is why I keep saying we need to stop going to fucking Texas. Um, but in this particular situation, we did get Journey Newsom's manager immediately releasing a statement addressing that situation to let us know that the reason he did get this decision overturned from a 37-second fucking impressive knockout win to a no-contest loss is because he did test positive beyond the new thresholds for POTS that he apparently had literally smoked a bunch of weed that morning, and that's quite literally one of the only things that the Golden Snitch himself has come out and publicly said you can't do, even with the new extremely lowered standard of threshold for cannabis as a UFC fighter. He basically said the one thing you cannot do is smoke the day of your fight, and that is literally the one thing that this newcomer did and now has turned a beautiful debut entry into an immediately asterisked record in the UFC. Uh, I fucking hate that rule. Look, um, my thought on this, if you want, you want to smoke pot the morning before the fight, fine, whatever. As long as you're not walking into the cage high as a kite, it doesn't fucking matter. Right? I mean, could guarantee if he would have walked into that cage high, that would not have happened. That 37-second knockout would never have happened. Not like that. No, not at all, period. Look, I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. I know there. You're, as much as people want to say, your reaction time is nowhere near where it should be if you're high as a kite. Doesn't matter whether you're smoking pot, you're on opiates, whatever the case is. Your reaction time, naturally slower, just because of the way that the body works period. There's no way he would have been able to get in there that quickly and get that job done that fast. It's just the reaction time wouldn't have been there. But, you know, if you if they're going to overturn it for something that fucking trivial, get fucked. I mean, I don't like the I don't like the the fight getting turned over like that either. But you're a fucking professional fighter. I'm, I'm going to be the, I'm going to be the contrary. I'm going to be the con I'm going to be the contrary, Mary. Dana White comes out and says, don't smoke pot the day of your fucking fight. 
don't fucking smoke pot the day of your fight. Yeah, I, I like. I don't. I, I don't like. It was a. It was a great. You know, it was a great clobbering. Good. Absolutely. Good for you. Good for you. You still got your. You still getting your fight money. All that. You're not gonna get. You're not gonna get your win bonus. Uh, they're, oh, no, they're, they're gonna take you back. They're also going to find him an additional five thousand dollars. So they're gonna find him five thousand dollars for. He, yeah, he that's what you fucking his, get. He loses his win bonus and he gets a five thousand oh. dollar fine. That's what. That's what you fucking get. You were told not to do something and you did it anyway. That's what you, you fucking. Know, when it comes to that side of it, being the whole consummate professional thing, I'm a hundred percent behind John that. But look, shit like that that gets a little ridiculous. If as like as long okay, as you look, look, I guess how how I think I guess should. on this case, his manager said he smoked pot that morning. Okay, we don't know that he's. And I probably should have thought this through before I spoke. We don't know that he smoked that morning. It could have been any time during the day. Because that after fight piss test, it wouldn't matter what time of day you smoked it at. You could have smoked it two hours beforehand. You could have smoked it, it right before you walked out. Yep. So, you know what? I have to retract my statement. You fucked yourself, dude. I guess it really doesn't matter. Right there, I don't your, know what time you actually smoked it. As fucked up as Texas is. Like until the until the standards become more realistic right. and Unanimous, what I think yeah. they should be. I think I think they should be allowed to smoke pot all through camp. I think they should be able to smoke it the day of the fight. They should be able to smoke it after the fucking fight. Lord knows they fucking deserve it for going out and taking a taking a beating and, and getting torn getting tendons torn and all sorts of shit for my entertainment. Yeah. Oh, you fucking deserve it. Go I I'm Fully, I'm fully in support of everybody being able to go smoke pot. If I knew how to roll a joint, I'd roll it for them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, vaping is healthier for you, so you know, do it that way. But, um, but yeah, I mean, with the rules are the rules are what they are. Don't smoke pot the day of the fucking fight. Okay, I'm not going to smoke pot the day of the fight. I'm a professional fucking fighter. I should be able to hold off until after I do my piss test after the fight. I and, then I, and then I and then I and then I can go roll with Dr. Dre, right? Like, well, I, and that's and that's one of the things that puts me personally in such a fucking weird particular like predicament here is that, as someone who is possibly only passionate about one thing in my life more so than MMA, that being cannabis, seeing someone literally give every cannabis advocate and enthusiast such a bad name and go back to such a stereotypical neanderthal reaction that you can't go literally 24 hours without smoking a fucking joint for whatever reason that's not that, it's that's not quite literally it's, the, not, it's not even 24 hours it's, it's right? like 12 hours yeah yeah exactly that's like and obviously this isn't a, a thing because now that we've got elias theodoro out there with the tue if that were the situation, you clearly have a precedent laid down before you that you could have gotten one, in which case this threshold wouldn't have been an issue for you, even with the assholes in Texas. So yep. this puts me in a real hard fucking place and a rock situation because as someone who enjoys it, I understand how beneficial it actually is. But on the other side of that, this is your fucking job and you don't have a therapeutic use exemption for it. So as your job has dictated, 
stop the night before you fucking fight, pick up when you take your piss test after the fight, and then light a fucking joint. It's not rocket science, and it shouldn't be that influential yeah. or that dependent in your fucking fight camp to be that much of an issue. And this is coming from a guy who enjoys the devil's lettuce more than most you will fucking meet. Fuck, for Christ's sake, take your carbon copy of your bonus check from Knockout of the Night and roll a joint up with that. Right? Have the Something joint in shit. your hand. While you're holding your dick peeing. Right? You'd be like, are you watching? You guys getting your good view, USADA? You good now? And then you you light that thing up in front of them and you walk the fuck out. Yep. Blow it in their face on the way out the door. Yep. Yeah, there's so, so yeah, many ways I mean, that could have been done I better. Yeah, I think it's I think it's ridiculous that a that a professional fighter can't go twelve hours without weed. I, I, I just don't I don't buy that, it. That that is fucking stupid that they can't. I mean, they've come out and said don't don't do it and i i think i'm more pissed that it, that's still a thing though i think that's what pisses me off the most right i agree and that is extremely I, I ironic especially under the current situation that we as united states citizens are under where legal cannabis shops have been deemed essential businesses and are left open under stay in place and shelter orders but you still can't smoke on the day of your ufc fight yeah well, I mean, th- th- this goes back to like like NFL prospects. <laughs> it's like NFL prospects going into the going into the freaking combine. Right. Like how many how many of them pop, how many of them those fucking idiots pop hot? It's like you have to take two weeks off prior to the combine. Right, you know it's coming, yeah. You know it's coming. You get you are you are only going to be active for one day on that combine. You can you can map this out exactly how exactly how you need to do it. And then you can smoke all the fucking pot you want up until training camp. So it makes zero fucking sense. Like you're, you're trying to be a professional athlete. If this is what the rules say and you want to make your money, do what the fucking rules say until the rules get corrected. And the rules, the rules eventually are going to get corrected. It's oh, yeah. getting closer. It's getting closer and closer all the time. Well, NFL just announced uh, the week before they, they have actually... a they have a pretty le- they have a pretty lenient policy. And... Oh, they they've removed their policy. They they just yeah. updated it. Uh, I think it was three weeks ago. Now, um, yeah. cannabis is no longer on the restricted list at all for NFL players. Period. Completely removed. Dude, that's fucked so many good players out. Uh, of Eric Gordon, player. Eric Gordon, best receiver in the league with the shittiest quarterback on the shittiest team, still leads the league in receiving. Get suspended you. over and over and over again for pop. That dude's entire career. That's what I was gonna say. Ricky fucking Williams had to leave the yeah. NFL because of it. Actually, opened a cannabis business down in Florida afterwards, but had to leave the fucking NFL because they kept suspending him for fucking weed. Yeah, like that's the point and that we're at fantastic now. Fantastic fucking running back. God yep. damn, was he amazing? Yeah, he fucking was. But, but that's the that's I, the weird it, point we're it, at it, in our lives now. So even yeah, where something that something that, that I I think. I think he refreshes on it. Being a consummate professional, you should be able to go the entire day of the fight up until the point that that fight is over without smoke. And right. that maybe should stay the rule for that single I, yeah. day. I, I agree completely. I agree completely. Have one don't ready do, for you. It's just like making weight. Yeah, exactly. Don't, 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 don't do it until your fight's over. Yep. It doesn't even have to be day of fight. Don't do it until your fucking fight's over. Yeah. Yep. It, it's it literally it's like making weight just be the professional yeah make your make i want to i want to back the guy because i don't like the rule right yeah but and, and i don't like to be i don't like it mainly because that fight shouldn't have been overturned right. but 
it's it is what it is. It just wasn't professional. You guys called me out on it, so I have to change my pace on that. And... Well, it's like the Figueredo situation. Even though it was a reasonable dude. <laughs> even though the Figueredo situation is, is real similar for me, even though it was a medical situation, he was called off by his fucking nutritionist and missed by the amount he would have cut during the days nutritionist didn't have him. I still can't give him a full pass on that because as a professional, that was your one fucking job and it literally cost him the belt because he didn't do it. Yep. This, this is the same exact situation. I understand the urge to want to enjoy and partake, but if you can't go that eight hours from the time you wake up that morning till your fight is done and you take your USADA piss test to smoke a joint, you're not being the professional in the job that you particularly signed up to do. Yep. Sorry, son. Uh, <laughs> it, the only other way that I could possibly give him a pass is if he smoked after the fight and they pissed him the day after. Right, exactly. If that were the situation, I would say that yeah. that's the fucking commission being a bunch that, of that'd be the only That'd be the only way around it. But yeah. you, would, point, you would hear a completely, you would hear a completely different fit. story from me if, it, if they yeah. pissed him the day after. I'd be like, that's bullshit. Yeah, I agree. Bullshit. I agree. You, you, piss him the day, you piss him the day of the fight. Like you're yep. supposed to, Texas. Yep. Like what he's doing, what he's doing after he's done. None of my fucking business. Yeah, it's his fucking until concern, until exactly. until you make the until you make the fucking news. <laughs> yeah, no shit. But uh, just a couple more things we do want to get through here before we get into the uh, smaller portioned uh, quarantine ration meat and potatoes section, as it were today. Um, the first thing I want to talk about real quick here, it's if you've been following along how things have been going since this weird fucking contract that the UFC signed has been sort of coming into its own, as it were, is kind of a, a foreseeable thing, but it is now actually official now that most states in the United States and most countries around the world are under some form of a quarantine or stay home, stay safe or shelter in place act. Basically, the globe has been urged to not go out in public, binge watch, spend time with your family, clean your house, whatever you have to do, just stay at home. Uh, obviously with news coming out recently, things like YouTube have been overloaded with traffic that they just were not prepared for and have actually had to throttle down their initial servers. So the new default loading on any YouTube video for all users as of right now is standard definition 360. For those of you who didn't know, you have to manually go back and readjust them yourself to HD during these pre-apocalyptic times. Uh, but with the... Netflix. Yeah, with the abundance of now at home time, people clearly intaking more videos than they generally would, uh, the UFC has now officially become the number two most popular program on ESPN overall compared to anything else that they show. The UFC replays, which they are now starting to do more and more during these at-home times, UFC replays and broadcasts have now become the number two most popular programming on all of ESPN's production. Mm -hmm. So the dollars are starting to roll, I think, is what that translates into. <laughs> well, this goes into the thing that, about MMA is I think MMA is – is infinitely more watchable than a football game or a basketball game or a baseball. Lord knows it's way more rewatchable than a baseball baseball game. Right. Baseball games. I mean, once like if you watch a baseball game, once it's over, you're like, Ugh. I I almost get a sense of relief. I'm like, I, it's it's so slow, but it's 
like a football game you've seen how that you've seen how everything turns out if you're a fan of football you've probably rewatched all the highlights you're you're aware of you're aware of how each play is going to go and you know you, there's not a lot of rewatchability there's a lot of rewatchability in MMA because a lot of times you, you can sit there and like everybody's talking about technique. So you can go rewatch, you know, rewatch this dude's fight and, and everybody's saying that, Oh, this is the best dude that does this sort of thing. Right. So you go watch Conor McGregor twice people in the face. Yeah. Yeah. Or you go watch, you go back and watch like an early UFC thing and see how, how Hoist Gracie proceeded to, to make everybody tap out. Choked the shit mm-hmm. out of everybody they led against. <laughs> yeah. Like, like nobody was, nobody was, nobody was prepared for that. And going back and rewatching it, you're like, "Fuck, that dude was so good!" And nobody had any idea how to deal with it. Like, finally, a couple people started being able to, you know, being able to get down there and grapple with him a little bit. But even then, it took forever for people to figure out how to how to take Horse Crazy. He was so far ahead of the curve. Yeah, you can watch all these all these chess match fights where you're. You're like, okay, I know in the third round that he's gonna that he's gonna hit him with a flying knee and he's gonna knock him the fuck out here in a minute. But I can rewatch how he set that up through the whole fight. Yeah, you know, with his combination, you can watch the you can watch the chess match that is an MMA fight. I, like I said, I think it's infinitely more watchable because it's it's so damn exciting every almost every single second except for fucking. You all remember on the and, and you can right. you can even go back prior to UFC, watch old combat sambo and things yeah. like that that were around prior too. Yeah. And see how all of that stuff is slowly led up into this. Yeah. I so it, it, to, to me, that's no surprise. It's no surprise that that's that it's number two. What what's number one? Their original broadcast sporting. Oh, the original broadcasts. Okay, so like Sports Center and yeah, all their all their ESP Sports Center from yeah. home these days. Fuck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it totally makes sense because you can rewatch a fight that you don't remember, and just be excited because it, as you're going, you're like, "Oh yeah, this is about to happen." Yep. Well, and that, and with especially with a lot of the replays that they've been showing of some of like the classic greats. You can watch that yeah. fight for the thousandth time and lo- notice little nuances that happen in that fight that you didn't see the other 999 times you've seen that fight. Yeah. Just because there's so much going on in an average MMA matchup. Yeah. So, yeah, it totally ma- it totally makes sense to me. I mean, and, and then it goes back to, like, the gladiatorial days. Like, right. What was the most popular thing in fucking Rome? Gladiators. Yeah. Fucking like, you're, you got a shitty it. relationship with your people? Better throw the two-month gladiatorial games. Everybody simply yeah. stops paying attention <laughs> and they're watching the show. Yeah, it goes back. It goes back to it. Goes back to it. Goes all the way back to there. I mean, people love to watch other people just beat the piss out of each other. Right. So, I bet you. I bet you boxing's up there too. Even though, as I'm long sure, as they're not, yeah, I'm, re- sure it's, well. I'm sure it's not far behind. But I'm sure it's up there yeah. as well. Yeah, as long as they're not replaying fucking Floyd Mayweather fights, the most boring shit on the planet. <laughs> Fuck right. that guy. You ducking, you ducking cocksucker. Right. Might as well just show old Fred Astaire dancing videos. Yeah. <laughs> I'll teach you how to shoulder roll. <laughs> I hate you, Floyd Mayweather. I hate it's you, true. and I hope you hear that. <laughs> fucking hate you. As much as I hate him, that dude's a defensive boxing genius. Oh, he's a genius. He's Absolutely. a genius. I'll admit, he's, I'll admit he's a fucking genius. But, oh. Yeah, but it's frustrating as shit to watch, though. I agree. Um, but. 
speaking of people who are frustrating shit to watch, um, the last two little pieces of news that I've got to talk about here before we get into our quarantine rations, as it were, are, are both folks whose recent entrances into the world of combat sports have both been a little bit tough to watch. Um, these are actually, interestingly enough, polar opposites of each other as far as news-wise go for two of arguably the largest stars in the UFC, as it were. Um, because I want to end things nicely, we'll go with the bad first and end on a positive note here. Uh, the lesser of the two stories that we've got to talk about, we actually just got first thing this morning slash this afternoon as the details started to actually roll out. Come to find out that about 3.45 this morning, local Albuquerque, New Mexico time, there was a call to the Albuquerque Police Department and a subsequent arrest of one John Bones Jones drunk behind the wheel of his car after the police were called for reports of a gun being fired. They showed up to find Jones very intoxicated in his car with a bottle of Jose, or excuse me, uh, Jorge Masvidal's tequila brand opened and clearly partially consumed in the car with him. Uh, keys in the ignition of his car, Jones admitted that he had driven earlier and planned to drive again after the police left. Uh, initially refused the breathalyzer test, subsequently took the breathalyzer test and was almost three times over the legal limit. Uh, once they arrested him, they did also find under the driver's seat of the car a loaded handgun with one spent shell in it. Uh, John Jones has now officially been brought up on charges of aggravated DWI, negligent, uh, what was it, negligent use of a firearm, what was it, aggravated DUI, negligent use of a firearm, driving without proof of insurance, uh, something else, I can't remember the other thing now, but multiple yeah, there was charges, charge, I forget what it was, yeah, multiple charges now, um, has officially refused to make any kind of a statement as of going live this evening. So the ironic bit that I saw in the story that broke this news was that literally a week ago, John Jones just made posts on all of his social media about how he was tired of seeing people out and about that this is the one time that people are encouraged to stay home and stay out of trouble and not enough people were doing that for his taste. And just a week later, Johnny Boy himself, the victim of his own fucking trap once again. Not that we had him prospectively on the radar for any match coming up anytime soon, but once again, John gives us that fucking demonstration that reminds people why he's so easy to fucking hate that every time he gets something in his favor, he almost immediately goes right back to fucking something up. It's... What I, what I want to know is why in God's green earth was he not shacked up in his fucking house? Why did he not have himself on lockdown as he was talking about it? If you're going to talk about it, be about it. The other question that immediately comes to mind here, how long do we give the UFC before they strip him? That's what I'm waiting to hear. Where is it? What's the prop bet on that in Vegas right now? Because I'm sure it's out there fucking already. 
Well, how I many bet DUIs? That's going to higher Vegas odds than the location for two forty nine. Yeah. How many DUIs does John Bones Jones have? This will be his second. No, this is at least three. No, I think three. I think this is three now. Oh yeah, yeah. There was a. This third. is at least. This is at least three. So he's pro- He's going to do some time for this one. Doesn't matter what his celebrity is. Um, Although now, the hard part about this, when they picked him up, he was at home. Yes, keys were in the ignition, but he technically wasn't driving. He was in his driveway. Well, the problem DUI is he already. Are, yeah, DUI he laws are this is where DUI laws get a little funky, though. Because they didn't catch him in the act, and he was on private property. It's not a government road, right? But he also admitted that, to that attorney will get him off. It doesn't that. matter if there's keys. If there's keys in the ignition, guess what? Yeah, it's automatic. Here's here's the problem with this though. Um, I know a person personally who got a DUI, but it got thrown out because where he got a DUI was in a parking lot. It was not on a road. So the lawyer he hired managed to get him off because of that. It's not up. It, it's private property. It's not a road. You're allowed to drive on private property, even under the influence, even though it's still fucking a DWI, but you can get off because it's not a road. He was sitting in his driveway where they picked him up at. This could get him off. Now, I'm not saying I want him to get off by any means, because you know what? Well, and Enough. even then, that no. would only get him out of the issue of the DWI. He then still has the negligent use of a firearm charge that yep. he's not going to get that's, out of. And that's... I'm not making him surrender every one of his fucking guns. Guaranteed. Driving without insurance will be dropped. It always that's, is. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a dropped or you're going to pay a little slap on the wrist fine. I'm anticipating a plea bargain of some sort. They're going to mm-hmm. drop the whole thing if he pleads down to some lesser bullshit, which is how I'm anticipating this falling out. Which he will. He'll do community service. You definitely got a point there. You definitely got a point there that if he's on private property, then he can get out, he can get out of it, at least that portion of it. That's, but yeah, the negligent use of a firearm in New Mexico, I can't imagine that being much of a crime. Well, drunk using a firearm, yeah. I think he's going to have the stronger case. They found him proven to be intoxicated with a breathalyzer he voluntarily took eventually in possession of an open container of alcohol he had consumed and then admitted to the firearm being his and he had shot it. So that's drunken use of a did firearm. He admit that, did, I, I hadn't heard that part that he admitted that he had fired the gun. And not initially. That's That's... They, the report that I said saw said that he had told them where the gun was when they pressured him more about it and that it wasn't a big deal. Again, this is all from last night, so obviously reports are still trickling in, but that's why I said I wanted to at least make mention of it here. Obviously, if this story gets updated before we get back, we will bring you oh. an updated version when we come back next oh. time, but... I mean, no matter no matter what, fuck John Jones. Yeah, I, that's, yeah, that's kind point, of the moral it, of the story. It's no longer... It's no longer John Bones Jones. It's John can't get right Jones. Right. Yeah. At this and point, that's that's the moral of it. No matter how they plea bargain it out, no matter how it ends up, at the end of the day, fuck John. At this point, for his attempted self righteousness, and then immediately tripping right over his own dick, like he has almost every time he's tried to play this bullshit. Yeah. Why? Why doesn't Dana, why doesn't Dana have someone living at his fucking house at this point? He should making have sure someone that attached to his fucking know. wrist with a leash. Yeah. Does not go outside like the like the Dallas Cowboys did it with Des Bryant. Right, they had someone live with fucking Des Bryant so that he couldn't go out and do stupid shit. Like what? This is one of your, one of your most recognized names in the UFC. 
in the last in the last decade for problems clearly yeah, 15 years you know people people will pay to watch a john bones jones fight yep. like the name recognition alone will get you pay-per-view buy rate yep like, it will happen the, why the, the worst... fuck don't you have this dude locked down like the worst you, you, you go make that shit real clear to his ass at this point, that's the only thing they can do is they look, they they the UFC, Dana White, they need to put an ultimatum on the table that says, okay, and I'm gonna put this loosely right now because this is if he gets out of this. We don't know what's gonna happen because tech justice system still has to do their part. But if he gets out of this relatively scot free, um, I, if he gets out with a misdemeanor of some sort because he pleased down whatever has a good attorney, blah blah blah. Oh, he's got a great attorney. I, I guarantee. Well, we know he's got a great attorney, but in, anyhow, if he pleads down to like a misdemeanor, the UFC needs to put an ultimatum on the table that says, "Hey, you do one more thing wrong, you'll never fight again. You're blackballed. We're gonna blackball you from everybody." We're going to get a hold of Scott Coker at Bellator. We're going to get a hold of one PFL everywhere. You won't fight again. Oh, Black fight again. It'll just be years down the road because UFC can just sit on his fucking contract and not. Yep. They can sit on it until he's fucking 50 years old and then go ahead and fucking fight. Yeah. Good luck. Right, dude. At, at this point, I, I think the thing that pisses me off the most about it is. I really love watching him fight. I really yeah, do. I used to. But I I still just I, I used to love the dude as a whole, but he's turned out to be the complete epitome of a piece of shit. Yep. Like unfortunately. You're not even you're not even a skid mark in a pair of underwear. You're literally a big pile of diarrhea in the middle of a carpet. Yep. And it really used to tie the room together. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's sickening for me because there was a long time. You asked me who my current favorite fighter was. It was John Jones for a long time. Absolutely. That is not the case, and it has not been the case for quite some time. Nope. Yep. Can't, look, I will name 10 other fighters. I'll even go this far. I like DC more than I like John Jones right now. Mm. That's rough. That's pretty fucking bad. Yeah. DC ain't doing stupid shit outside of the fucking octagon. As much as I don't like his personality, I like him more than John Jones because he keeps his shit clean. Ouch. That's saying something. And once again, I mean, this all goes back to your professional fucking fighter. Right, you signed up to do a fucking job. You only have one job to do. You're literally under a fucking microscope for everything you do because of your name, what you've accomplished inside of the octagon. Look, um, anybody who's watched that um, Dark Side of the Ring on Vice, John Jones has literally enough to where he could create a whole new fucking Vice show called dark side of the octagon he could have like seven or fucking eight episodes at this point because he's such a fuck up it's ridiculous like they're gonna eventually one of these days like let's say 10 15 20 years down the road when we're all in our 50s and 60s i'm guessing we're gonna see a fucking documentary 
on John Jones. Oh, yeah, the rise and fall. I'm certain, yeah. And the th- the thing is, is like every time every time there's a fall, like he rises right back up because he's he's an infinitely fucking talented fighter. Not anymore. Not anymore. That last fight that last fight of his was horseshit. Pretty shitty, but, yeah. Well and, right. and the ironic I mean, the ironic bit about this is that almost the exact same situation turned ninety degrees is actually the last thing that I've got here that I that I want to talk about before we jump into the little quarantine ration MRE that we've got this evening. Um, in light of birds of a feather fucking up together, the other person that we've got one little piece of news about here is the one and only master of disaster himself, Conor McGregor, back in the news. <laughs> Ironically enough, not for fucking up like we hear from John Jones, but for the other side of that, for being on the proper path for a change, making multiple public statements with the the president or governor, I don't remember what exactly his political affiliation was, someone in charge of Ireland, uh, working with their promotional team for the government to help encourage people to, to stay home and to stay safe. And then as of yesterday afternoon, donating $1.2 million worth of protective gear to the country of Ireland's first responders, doctors, and medical medical professionals. Um, and this comes on the heels that we just talked about two weeks ago from Conor McGregor donating $1.1 million to the first responders of New York City before this current crazy shit situation ever had fallen into place. So this is, in my opinion, not necessarily the, the forgiveness by any stretch of the imaginations, but this is an example of the reason why Conor McGregor, more so than John Jones, gets a pass when he makes a fuck up, like talking shit about Khabib and then getting his ass choked the fuck out. Because when he says you have to be better, you have to worry about everyone outside of the octagon, and then he gives a million dollars to New York first responders, and then he gives a million dollars to Ireland's medical professionals, and he goes out and he does public speeches and he does promotional things with the government of Ireland to try and help keep the people of his country safe. It's more than just the stereotypical Connor slapping a phone out of somebody's hands. This, in my opinion, is one of the things that, that really separates the, the Connor McGregor and the John Jones in terms of stars in the UFC. John Jones will most likely plea bargain out and not do serious jail time over his bullshit. And then we'll probably do some sort of alcohol awareness or, or uh, addiction awareness promotion for the UFC by the time the fall gets around here. And that'll be some sort of a mandated thing, which we've seen him do in the past with his bullying, with his drunk driving awareness things. This isn't something the UFC mandated. This is the type of person that Conor McGregor legitimately is. This is one of the reasons why, despite people initially snickering and wanting to talk shit about this, I make a point to mention stories like this because despite his very public and very undeniable fuck-ups, Conor McGregor, of his own volition, is a good person and will go out of his way to help as much as he is able to all of the fucking time. But because he is such a public persona, because there's 
always so much stigma and so much spotlight around him, it doesn't, in my opinion, get as much recognition as it should that he does shit like this in the shadows. He didn't ask anybody to talk about the, the shit he's doing with the fucking the leaders of Ireland to help keep people safe. He didn't ask for fucking recognition for the money that he gave to New York. He didn't ask for any recognition for the money he's giving to Ireland. This is the reporting that is being done because he's doing these things. He's doing this on his own. This isn't a punishment like we're going to see with John Jones coming in a couple months doing some type of public service bullshit. Conor McGregor is giving millions of dollars away and literally being the voice for the government to try and help keep people safe in these crazy times we're living in these days. And I think that unto itself deserves a little bit of recognition because despite his fuck-ups on very much a John Jones-esque level, Conor of his own tries to make right more than I think John does. And I think that's part of the reason why we still forgive Conor McGregor when he fucks up, whereas we're pretty much all done with John fucking Jones at this point. You know the biggest reason why I give Conor credit? He's always been that brash cocksucker. We know that. So when he did crazy outlandish shit, it wasn't fucking surprising. Yeah, nothing out of the ordinary for him, yeah. As weird as it is. Opposite side of that fucking yin and yang here, you have John Jones, who is always touting himself as holier than thou. I'm fucking better than you because I do all this shit. Yep. And he's fucking, look, his fuck ups, my opinion, way worse than what we've seen out of Conor McGregor. Yes, Conor McGregor punched an old dude at a pub. He fucking slapped somebody's phone out of their hands, which, to be honest, not a big fucking deal. Mm-hmm. That happens every day going down the fucking street. Fuck yep. off. Not newsworthy. He threw fucking Dolly through a bus window. Okay. That's a pretty big one. However, you didn't T-bone a pregnant lady in an intersection and flee the scene of an accident because oh, yeah. you were high as fuck. Yeah. I'm just saying. Of smacking course, strippers. Jones can go fuck off. Because allegedly, allegedly, smacking strippers. Yeah, you know, allegedly, there's there's some really dumb shit that that mother, that that holier than thou art fucking Bible thumping cocksucker is been doing. Why, why do we even? I don't even want to put those two in the same boat. No, I don't. Connor is legitimately gone. Look, he's had some mandated things that he's had to do, and he's done them without question. But then he does these things where completely generous. Does he doesn't have to give that shit? No. Not at all. He's already been giving first responders money through the sale of the proper twelve. Proper 12. Yeah, that's right. And then to add on top of that from his own personal money. Look, he might not be a saint. In fact, I can't say might not. He's definitely no saint. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> but he's definitely got the his right. He's got his head on in the right direction. I mean, for one, of course he's going to look for look at where he came from. He came from a shit sandwich, and he basically um, he fucking molded his own star. Yeah, pretty much. He he paid the, the look at the jo- like him. The John Jones household. They're filled with fucking greatness. And he keeps fucking up. You don't deserve that spotlight. It's I'm I'm fucking done talking about him. Well done, Connor. Thank you. Keep up the great fucking work. 
throw something through John Jones's window or something. <laughs> that way it's worthwhile. See, at this point, I don't think Connor would do anything like that. Yeah. I think I think that I think that was the big fucking wake up call for the for the I, dude. I agree. I think that the repercussion, the legitimate repercussion, more so than anything he had ever done before from that shit that happened in Brooklyn with the dolly, I think realistically yeah. did help snap Connor in to kind of a better mindset. And I understand that immediately people are gonna be like, Well, he did the phone thing and he did the old guy thing. There's an asterisk to be put next to both of those. The guy with yeah. the phone was hounding him at three o'clock in the morning after a fucking nightclub in Miami. There's questionable circumstances all around that one. The par, yeah. the the old guy in the bar, the old guy literally talked shit about him and Khabib and s- threw his fucking free drink back at him like an asshole. Not justified, but understandable, I would say. Yeah. Uh, but he actually owned up to fucking up with the dolly throw and then accepted the immediate repercussion. And we've seen a noticeable difference in his behavior aside from the asterisk incidents that will turn himself into the fucking police it's not like they had to go find him he could have been on a plane back to ireland before they ever caught him. easily easily yeah they they never could have caught him if he wanted to play that route yeah and he he cut down he cut out his drinking in his last camp when he was fighting cowboy he didn't drink till after the fight he stayed sober like that's what he said right said he yep. stayed sober the stayed whole sober the whole camp. the whole camp yep which is a scary and, conor mcgregor unto itself yeah and you saw how he you saw how he approached that fight we keep talking about these consummate professionals like cowboy's a consummate prof- fucking professional fuck yeah conor mcgregor took the exact same approach and at this point we're seeing we're seeing an evolved more grown-up conor mcgregor um you know he's still talking about going out and boxing again yeah, go go for it, dude. Go yeah. have fun. But he's still got, able to you know, go for it. Yeah, yeah. He's still got you know he's still got his fun loving side. You know he's always one of the better interviews you're going to see, um, just because the dude can talk shit like nobody else. And <laughs> so it's always it's always fun to watch Conor McGregor. He's still got that side to himself, but he's he's showing a more grown up side to his personality. And I, I think it, I think it all went right back to Dalians and the the fact that there were there were there were real world repercussions like that you couldn't buy your way out of yeah. because the people, the people on the other end of it weren't going to let you fucking get out of it. Oh fuck. No. Yeah. You got your feet held to the fire for sure. And it, it seems yeah. to have made a difference. Yeah. And I think I'm, I'm, you know, I respect, I respect the dude. I, I mean, he didn't have to, he didn't have to give any money, uh, especially to a country that's not his own, you know, going yeah. and taking care of people in New York Yep. and then yeah. going over going over to Ireland, Ireland and stepping up, you know, there's soccer players or what? Football, football players that that would probably, you know, be more famous in the country. But I mean, Connor's Connor's one of the more famous people in the country. He doesn't have to do these things and he's going out and doing them. And like I said, he's, I've got, I've got a bunch of respect for Connor McGregor and this just adds to it. We'll, we'll see where he goes from here. I mean, you know, he's one dolly throw away from being a fuck up again, but right. Yeah, absolutely. It's not, it's by no means a get out of jail free card. It's just a, a nice little, positive tout that we don't really hear a lot about that I felt deserves to help kind of balance out the constant negative that we've got, like I said, as the counterpoint to the fucking John Jones situation, because the fuck was was anybody actually surprised that you woke up this morning and then John Jones had been arrested again? No, not really. No, I I think I'm, I'm more surprised that it took this long to be quite honest. Yeah, same. It has been a while. It's, yeah, it's been a good hot minute. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, 
I don't know why that dude didn't have himself on house arrest. <laughs> but either way, I mean, although I will say this about Connor, I think after his dolly and bus incident, he must have spoke to Tony Robbins because he figured out how to walk through coals on that shit. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. No doubt. But that is all we have got for the news and recent events, unless either one of you gentlemen have anything that I missed here. Oh, are we not going to talk about shitbag Ashley Evans-Smith? Oh, I was going to save that for the end, but we can talk about that now, too. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, I, I just want to bring it up, because no, um, that you're, you're goes good. to... I wish we had a little moniker, shitbag of the fucking century, that just popped up and flashed on the screen yeah. right here. Yeah, that's more than a business card deserves. Um, for those of you who did not hear the story... Um, it is now making its way through the social media circulation. Um, this one is not one of those rumored, one of those allegedly, one of those I heard it through the grapevine, one of those my brother saw somebody who talked to him and told him that their sister saw this from a cousin who was at the party and it happened. No, this is legitimate firsthand information with video evidence to verify. I've watched the video myself multiple times and shaken my fucking head. I... I legitimately thought it was a prank when I first read it, when I first saw it. Um, UFC fighter Ashley Evans-Smith had originally scheduled to pick up a free dresser from an individual who was giving one away on social media. They had arranged everything, they worked everything out. She was going to show up with her boyfriend, pick up the dresser. Everything was going to be hunky-dory. So, she shows up. Her and her boyfriend load up the dresser. Now, the person who's giving this dresser away is a tattoo artist who works with permanent makeup, doing eyebrows, lips, the, the whole nine yards. They and their fellow local artists were in the middle of a drive to help gather spare masks, spare gloves, and spare medical supplies for their local hospital. So, on the porch, nowhere near the dresser nowhere even as suit like insinuatable or associatable with the dresser on the other side of the porch from this dresser is this basket that they have been collecting medical supplies in so that they can donate it to the local hospital so on the video you can quite clearly see ashley evan smith and her boyfriend open the door to their SUV of some kind. They walk up on the porch. They, they have a quick discussion. They start moving and looking at it and then pick up the dresser and carry it over and insert it into their vehicle. And then you quite clearly on the video see Ashley Evans Smith stop at the edge of the SUV and turn and her boyfriend walks back up onto the porch, picks up the basket of medical supplies, looks down into it, sees what it is, carries it to the vehicle they get in and drive away with it this person subsequently had then tried to contact ashley evan smith tried to text her tried to message her and let her know you know it's obviously just some sort of misunderstanding but those things are for charity those things are being donated to the hospital those are things that we have gathered to give to people who legitimately need them in this crazy fucking pandemic time we are living in right now and not only did Ashley Evan Smith not answer, not respond, not bring back the things in the basket that were taken, she and her boyfriend then subsequently blocked this fucking person on social media altogether as to try and pretend that this didn't happen. This person 
has one of these video doorbells where the entire incident is literally videoed and attached to the post, which I have shared on uh, my page. I will also make sure I get it shared after the show on the I'm No Joe page. Um, the video is attached. You can see this happening. This isn't a rumor. This isn't a speculation. You see it happen. Like, what the fuck? As if the times that we are in right now aren't crazy enough. Yeah. I don't... No, I don't I have words for that. The, the worst part about this, in my own opinion, we all know what's going on. Ashley Evan Smith is a professional... Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Loosely. The air quotes here for those of you that are just listening on those. Professional <laughs> fighter. Showing up to pick up a free a like, free dresser. And look, and look, okay, I get and it. It's, if it's you're a very into, nice dresser. You see in the video, it's a very nice and, dresser. And who knows? Maybe they're one of those, maybe she's one of those kind of people that likes to sand down, redo those types of things. Resell them. Hey, whatever. Do your thing. I'm cool with that. Everybody's got to have a hobby. But then to send back your boyfriend to grab the fucking box of medical supplies that are sitting there in a laundry basket or what looked like a laundry basket to me, that is some pretty goddamn low shit, especially in the time. And then to know that that person reached out to you say, hey, that's for a fucking hospital and medical professionals and you yeah, initially, still initially it was just reached out as you know this is obviously just a misunderstanding if you could just bring those back to you know that's a charity thing and then yeah it, became it wasn't like they said hey cocksucker bring this shit back yeah, no, it's it not all yours. started innocently and was assumed to be an uh, apparently easy to make mistake until you yeah, see and, the video and why had being as this is circulated around already and i've seen it on multiple different sources now why has have we not seen any of her social media coming to fight this if she did nothing wrong? Or to say, no, I was told I could take this. Oh, this guy's lying, or whatever the case is. Look, um, sometimes when you don't say anything at all, all you're doing is fucking incriminating yourself. There's video evidence of what went on. It's not like you can fight this. Maybe the right thing to do is go take that shit back, and then yeah, so, okay. Yeah. I got I got busted. I'm a piece of shit. Let me try and make up for it. Yeah. Add some more to the pile. Fuck. Do something. Be like, you know what? We made a poor choice here. Yeah, this is your teachable moment. You either fucking bury your career here or you learn from the fuck up you just and, got caught with and you do better. And at at what point um do the police not get involved in this? Because that's theft. No, it's it's just saying we could have seen two arrests. Yeah, it's, you know. Well, and this clearly isn't over yet. So this is I I'm absolutely going to try and keep tabs and see how the fuck this ends up shaking out because this is one oh. of those things that something's we going to be happen. Oh. So Ashley Evan Smith went on the Lonnie show earlier <coughs> oh, shit. Uh, today, and uh, she said that they it was an honest mistake that they were just out grabbing stuff. And they put it in the back. They put it in the back without looking what was in it. Uh, she, at this point, she's already given everything back. 
and is donating to a hospital as a gesture. Um, the people are saying that there is still things missing out of the basket, but she says, what more can I do at this point? Uh, return everything that was in the fucking basket. Right. Well, yeah. that and I get trying to say it was an honest mistake and you didn't know it was in the basket. I'm going to repost that video when we get done here on the I'm No Joe Instagram page. You can watch you can it for yourself. It. It, he looks, he picks it up, looks down in it, and looks at her for confirmation, and you see her nod as he carries it to the vehicle. Uh, I get trying to downplay and backpedal out of this, but you can only lie so much when the video literally shows the entire fucking action. So, it's... yeah. When and oh, how did Ariel? And she was on Ariel's show. How did he not show her the video? That's kind of what I was he's wondering. that kind of person. He should have had that video playing while he's talking to her. Yeah. Yeah. But then again, he also is Mister Fucking Softball Lob too, so I can understand why he might not have just to get her to come on. But no, I'm I'm sharing that fucking post with the video on the Instagram page for this once the show is over, just so that you can all make your own decisions when you see the real time video of it taking place. Yeah, because it wasn't like it was a slow. It wasn't like it was a quick drop that in, run back, grab that, and run back. Yeah, it was. It was it, a casual. legit. You could see they saw it while they were getting ready to pick up the fucking shit yep and then went back but, oh, for it th this will be good we'll take that too since it's out here being as is uh I, I get it the whole porch pickup thing we've been doing that here at my house because we give to needy families in our area yep. so we've been leaving stuff on our porch because you know the whole being safe kids having kids and all that and you drop the shit on the porch let somebody pick it up at their leisure yep. and they take off we don't say hello we don't say goodbye nothing we just we we do the same thing. Just there, you leave it there. And we've left multiple bags and stuff like that out where there's names for people who's who goes with who's shit. People aren't taking other people's things. They're taking literally what they need. Yep. Should have fallen under the same honest Abe type thing, you know? Absolutely. Did I just call the honest Abe? Fuck, I haven't said that since I was in like grade school. <laughs> yeah, it's uh I think the video is missing now. I've got a safe copy of it. Okay. The internet yeah, so never forgets. I think it's. I think it's. I think it's gone. But yeah, the, the internet never forgets. It's there's 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 copies around. Don't you worry. All right. <laughs> but no, that's that's why I was gonna save that for the the very end. Is just aside from everything else we have talked about, people in these crazy times that we are all forced to live in please at least try not to be a complete shitbag. We yeah. all have to live through this. We all have to deal with the same bullshit. The least you can do is not be a shitbag in a time of a pre-apocalyptic shitstorm. Yeah. It's not that difficult. Just don't steal things that don't fucking belong to you and don't be an unreasonable human being. That's right. Fuck I'm Ashley Evan Smith. I'm perfectly, I'm perfectly willing to, to settle for a two-bedroom, two-bath house for three jumbo rolls of toilet paper. Easily, easily I, being I a completely, completely rational, completely rational human being. See what I mean? But that, under these pre-Mickey Mouse apocalyptic times we are currently living in, will bring us to 
the sanitized, homogenized, and sterilized quarantine ration that is the meat and potato portion of this particular episode here. The namesake, the reason for the season this particular weekend. Fingers crossed. Knock on wood. Submission Underground 12. Uncle Chael's own broadcast of a mix of sometimes combat jujitsu, sometimes not. Not this weekend, unfortunately, but understandable with the situation. But still, one-on-one jujitsu and submission-only grappling, singles matches, and once again being brought back for the return, but with new refined rules and a thankful different referee, tag team jujitsu match. So, this, unfortunately, does not have a full-released fight card. Generally, that happens day of because they are still adding last-minute individual competitions all the way up until ready-to-roll time because they do have a lot of open weight classes and things like that that they work with. As of right now, we are going to take the casualist of casual approaches since we don't, unfortunately, have our favorite casual this evening. We are going to take the casualist of casualist approaches on this particular card, and we are going to give our particular thoughts and breakdowns on the three main cards, or the marquee card fights, on this particular entry. Um, taking place in Washington, or, excuse me, in Washington, in Portland, rather, uh, this There's Sunday in evening, yeah, no, <laughs> in, in Portland, this Sunday evening, on UFC Fight Pass Live, will be Submission Underground 12. So, the first one I want to talk about we're going to go a little backwards here. Um, the highlighted ladies match of the evening won Amanda Lowen versus Roxanne the Happy Fighter Mata Ferry. Um, mm. This is going to be, I feel, a very interesting match, but I feel that this is going to kind of set the tone for what's going to be the actual main event. And, and I say that the, the tag team jujitsu is the actual quote-unquote main event. It's the final match of the evening. Main event I'm referring to here are the three that we're going to talk about, the main singles event of the evening. Um, I feel that this one kind of sets us up very much for how that match is going to go in that Amanda Lowen is a decent grappler, decent jujitsu player, but mainly known for her physical strength and endurance ability versus the other side of that, Roxanne Mataferi, um, is not necessarily known for her physical strength or aggression, but she is, on the other hand, known for being a very, very legitimately dangerous jiu-jitsu practitioner from anywhere the fight can go. Um, in this situation, it's going to be very much a matchup of strength versus style and technique, and I think that's very much how our main event's going to go as well. I think in this situation, I, I think it is going to butter us up to see how the, the, the end goes, but I think at least in this situation, we're going to see Roxanne Mataferi take it here because in these situations, this isn't a fight. This is a grappling and submission match, so that strength isn't going to give you the ability to strike and impact the other fighter. You have to be able to use your technique and your finesse. That's where Mataferi is going to shine here. I think we might actually see a sub coming out of Mataferi here because when you're wrapped up, big muscles work against you. And Amanda Lowen is fucking yoked, son. Yeah, she is. Look, there's... In jiu-jitsu itself, in grappling as a whole, technique always perseveres over strength. Always. Mm-hmm. 
you can be fucking a twig and take on a fucking goddamn big old hulk of a motherfucker and still win as long as your technique is on point. If you don't believe me, go look go look at um you can go on YouTube. There are plenty of old Gracie videos out there from when they would just take on whoever walked into the, the gym beach, that wanted yeah, to challenge them. The beach videos. Bodybuilders walking in there thinking they could whip their ass because they're fucking huge. Yep. Now, the strength will get you around for a little while, but eventually the technique's going to take it. And I think that's where Roxanne's going to have all of her fucking wonderful fucking success here. Because look, she, well, for one, she got the upset over Macy Barber recently. We know that, albeit Macy Barber blown out me, whatever, that is what it is. I'm, I'm just saying it's, she earned her W. She earned her W, and she what did she do it with? Grappling, because that's what she's fucking good at. Yep. Not just any grappling. She dominated her on the fucking ground. Absolutely. Blown out knee or not, she do, she literally dominated her. Only thing that's gonna give her any problem here is because Amanda is so fucking huge, and she's got a decent grappling background. That extra strength might give her a little help, but I still think Modafferi's got a much better, well-rounded jujitsu game. More dangerous than game, yeah, I agree. But I mean, we'll see how that works out. I, I think it's definitely going to be interesting, though. That's for sure. I'm. I mean, I have a hard time picking against Vegeta, Princess of Sands. Um, <laughs> Like she, she is so fucking unorthodox. Yes. Like even even in her ground yes, game, like she just comes at you from angles that you don't expect. Like you can have a decent ground game if you've got a crafty motherfucker on the other side of it. Like you you are really can be you can really get in trouble in a hurry. And we saw that we saw that with Macy Barber. Um, we've we've seen that with her last couple fights. Like she gets people in trouble in ways that they don't expect. And I don't think her brain works right. Um, and she's just gonna she like she'll be down on the ground, you know, she'll have gotten a takedown and then all of a sudden there's a there's a Kimura out of out of nowhere and you're like I don't I don't even know how she locked that in. Right. Like she didn't look like it didn't look in danger at all. And then all of a sudden the other girls tap it. Like that's she just has such a bizarre game, like at every level that it's tough to it's tough to it's tough to bet against her at this point. She'll slow down eventually. She's not the youngest. Not right. the youngest uh, hen in the yard, but um, <laughs> I mean, she's she's fu- she's fucking entertaining. Like I really love, I really love watching her fights at this point. Um, and I was rooting for Macy Barber on that on that last fight, and Montefiore like is just watching. And is like this young girl is in so much trouble, and she yeah, has no she was in idea. so far over her head and had no idea yeah. either. And everybody, like, I, I think I was the only one that was was really saying, nah, she got this, she can power through, she'll, <laughs> she'll beat the piss out of her, take her down. Like, I like I was so proven wrong by, by Modafari that I'll just, I'll, I'll take Modafari just on my, my pure entertainment value of her. I agree. Everybody's favorite librarian. Right? Yeah, no shit, right? The cosplay and combat fighter, so... <laughs> That's going to be an interesting one to see how it shakes out. Um, the next one I want to talk about she, here. Um, like, can she show up dressed as Majin Buu to the fight? Like, I think, 
I, I think at, at Submission Underground, she might actually be able to wear some crazy shit out to the, the, the match. It could oh, get interesting, just... that's for sure. She's known for it. Like so you, it... like you thought, you thought, you thought those boxing entrances, right? With Fury and Fury. Well, I mean, this is Uncle, fucking... yeah, this is Uncle Chael's promotion, and if there's somebody who can appreciate a good walkout, it's definitely Uncle Chael. Oh. I mean, we've seen her do it in the UFC, fucking Super Saiyan here. Yeah, yeah, out to the weigh-ins and she's shit doing her way-in. She's doing her way-in with like a fifteen fucking pound wig on her head. Yep. Yeah, not <laughs> not a single fuck to be given. So. This could be very interesting to see that roll out for sure. Um, that will bring us to the uh, quote-unquote co-main event as far as singles matches at least go here. Um, two legitimate legends in terms of UFC status here. Uh, one, Carlos the Natural Born Killer Condit versus Jake Ellenberger. Ellenberger, to his credit, has competed in Submission Underground before and done fairly fucking well. Um, he has also taken place, maybe not in the most recent one, but in some of the more recent uh, quintet competitions as well. So it will be interesting to see how the two of these gentlemen get down in the Uncle Tail style EBI rules that they run where there is no striking. Um, Ellenberger is a man with a wrestling background. That was one of his definite best tool sets in the UFC. Um, Condit, not so much known for his wrestling, but absolutely known for some of his submissions. Um, wrestling defense being probably more prominent in Condit's favor than his actual wrestling prowess, but his submissions were absolutely fucking ruthless as well. So I think this is going to be an interesting matchup because like we were talking about with, with Mataferi here, neither one of these two boys are spring chickens here. It's not like we're catching these guys when they're 25 and they're in their fucking prime and this is going to be, you know, a no-time limit matchup to see who fucking taps. This is an EBI rule set where both of these gentlemen are approaching 40 at a fucking quick pace and both of them have some serious road miles from a legitimate career of multiple, multiple fights that not all have went in either one of their favor. So yeah. I think what this is really going to come down to is, is going to be, again, kind of the, the theme for the evening here, the strength of Ellenberger as a wrestler versus the technique of Condit as the submission artist here. And I, I have to think that the theme for the evening is going to be running strong. I think that the strength of Ellenberger isn't going to be enough to get around the grace and the technique of Condit. I think we see Carlos Condit with a nice W this weekend. Hmm. I'm I'm inclined to agree with you. Carlos Condit's always had a fantastic ground game. Always, even in UFC, it, he he's always had it. But the UFC, he was underrated because people expected what he was going to do on his feet. Don't get me wrong. Jake Ellenberger's fucking wrestling and ground control has always been phenomenal. It. It could very well be a coin toss, but I think that purely on the submission aspect of it, I think Carlos has that little nod there. Don't get me wrong. Jake Ellenberg has been he's been retired a little bit longer than Carlos Condit, so he's probably been doing a lot more of the grappling aspect because it's easier on the body than um, fucking hitting pads and getting into the octagon, whereas 
we've seen Carlos Condit fairly recently within the last year. Yeah, and still looking decent. I'm, albeit not, like I said, not in the prime clearly, but still far from yeah. fucking soup can status. Yeah, so I, I that's where I, the only thing I would say that Ellenberger might have the one up is that he may have had a lot more time to train in grappling than Wakanda has. Yeah. And that might be his undoing there, but I would still have to give the nod to fucking Condit just purely on his jujitsu. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of the same mind. Um, like how much has Ellenberger picked up doing these submission undergrounds, doing all these, you know, wild BJJ competitions that, you know, he's gotten himself into over the last couple of years. So It'll be really, it'll be really, really interesting to see how his techniques improved and see if he's, you know, on the level of, of Condit. Um, it's tough to get stuff to bet against Condit, but I mean, Ellenberg, you know, if he's been out doing this stuff, if he's been rolling around, there's no telling what his game's evolved into. If he see if his game's evolved in, he's got the strength advantage. So, who knows? Who knows? This this is a coin flip to me. I, I don't want to pick a winner on this one. I think it'll be entertaining as fuck. Yeah, it's gonna be a good matchup either way. I, I agree. Yeah. Latin, we we know at least that we've got a different referee this time, so that a lot of these matches that should be interesting should actually be interesting this time. <laughs> yeah. uh, those of you who watched uh, Submission Underground Eleven, there was a lot of really good matchups on that card that ended up being very either anticlimactic or infuriatingly controversial because the referee that refereed every match on the entire card did not know what the fuck he was watching or what he was actually supposed to be refereeing, and it caused a lot of issues. So one of the first things that Chael and the staff at Submission Underground assured everyone right away was that there will be a new referee for this one. So, You know, that's the one thing I really like about Submission Underground versus UFC. They get to choose who their refs are. They're like, hey, we yeah. don't like what's going on here. Yeah, this guy didn't know We're what gonna, the fuck he's doing. We're not bringing him back. Yeah. Get him the fuck out. And go ahead. We'll have it in Texas. That's fine. But we're right. choosing the refs, and we're going to choose who's doing points. Yep. Fuck you. Yep. So, aside from the uh, actual quote-unquote Final event, the tag team jujitsu match that I absolutely encourage everyone to watch because it's it's an interesting rule set. It's a whole interesting concept, and if it plays out the way that it should, when the referee understands and all parties involved are aware of the the rule set better this time, I believe than we had last time, uh, that's going to be very interesting. But aside from that, the actual final singles competition, the sous vide and vacuum sealed portion of little steak au pois that is the main event of the actual evening here one kevin the king casey versus craig tarzan leopard print spot shorts jones in one of the literal largest grappling matches of the submission underground series both of these gentlemen are very very big, both in the world of grappling and in physicality. They are both yoked young men, um, both very much so in their prime in terms of their grappling and their submission abilities. This, like we said earlier, is, is kind of the running theme 
of the evening. We have got the dominant, strong wrestler in Kevin Casey versus the stylistic, just assassin that is the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioner in Craig Jones. The difference here is that Kevin Casey does have some jiu-jitsu experience. He does have good submission ability that goes with his wrestling style more so, I feel, than Craig Jones has just general wrestling and grappling experience outside of his jiu-jitsu. The thing that Jones has going for him more than possibly anything else is that he is affiliated and associated with the Danaher death squad of leg-locking assassins coming out of the Henzo Gracie Academy in New York. And aside from the daunting sight that can be Craig Jones in a literal leopard mankini when he performs... The technique and the ability that he shows, as well as all of these Henzo Academy, Danaher, Death Squad, Assassins, is just off the fucking chart. So this is actually going to be a very, very intense matchup here. And even though it's realistically uh, along the same themes of the evening's strength on one side versus technique on the other side... This one is going to have a lot more what-if factors than any of the other ones on the card itself because both of these gentlemen are so good at both sides of the coin. Again, still a little more specialized on one side than the other for both gentlemen, but the fact that both of these gentlemen are so much more well-rounded, I would say, than the other fights on the card is going to make this a little bit of a what-if situation. This one, I feel, much like a legitimate MMA match, is going to come down more so to who's going to be able to implement their game plan here. Because if Kevin Casey can get a hold of Craig Jones, he's going to be able to throw him around if he can impose his game plan and use his grappling the way that he knows how to. But on the other side of that, if he comes in sloppy, if he comes in too cocky like Kevin Casey has been known to do, he's going to leave himself open to some very, very dangerous submissions from one of the country's literal most dangerous jiu-jitsu practitioners as well, Leopard Print Be Damned. The, the thing that, that stands out to me the most here is, aside from all the fuckery he takes part in routinely, aside from the polka dots that will distract you when the match is going on, eyes up here, Craig Jones is legitimately a very, very intelligent and well-rounded Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioner. He can get very creative in the moment, just as much, if not more so, than Mata Ferry can in the unorthodox methods that come at you from this particular individual. That's not to take away from the strength and the absolute badassery that is Kevin Casey, but I think kind of unabashedly the same way that we've been looking at throughout the course of the evening as much as this is going to be a good matchup nonetheless i still think in this situation the technique of the jiu-jitsu practitioner is going to be too much for the strength that is casey and i think we see old cheetah print come away with the w this weekend dude you I nailed that down to a t i i the only thing that i can add to that what it, the only thing that really just hammers that home for me is that in case anybody who has forgotten Craig Jones is the current international Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Federation World No-Gi Champion, champion. Yep. Mm -hmm. that right there 
that that's among killers of killers in fucking grappling over. yeah this isn't mma yeah. this is from just jujitsu he yeah, is the best in the world yeah I, I it's not just the bjjf no it's the ibjjf international everybody from around the world partakes in that the best of the best of the best he's the current no gi champ submission on the ground no gi Ken Casey, sorry about it, but um, thanks for showing up. Hey, enjoy your participation trophy. Yeah, partition at this point, partition or participation. Uh, probably, probably a nice, nice payday at this yeah. point. Just being oh, able, yeah. to, just being able to put something on, like you know, Daddy Dana's like, right, a little something slipping, here, slipping <laughs> a few bucks down to submission underground, testing out some theories, right. Uh, for 249 and you know there's going to be a lot there's going to be a lot going on but i mean you're talking you're talking about the like he could run in and hit him with the title belt and then throw him in a guillotine i'd probably still be okay with it yeah, at this point i agree <laughs> yeah I'd, pro- I'd probably be just fine like oh that was a cheap do you see how cheap craig jones was oh man hit him with the belt before before the ref got into the ring and yeah you know i'd, to- I'd totally be okay with anything at this point but i think i think you know, there's there's a lot for that grappling strength. You know, he can get him, he can he can chuck him around for a little bit, but he's not going to see the, where the submission's coming from. Like, let's be honest here. Right. Let's be honest about what's going to happen. He's not going to see where that submission's coming from, or it's or he's going to totally see where that submission's coming from, and he's not going to be able to do a fucking thing about it. That's what it. I was going to say. Or it could go the opposite way, and if Kevin Casey yeah. is actually good enough to use his wrestling to fend him off because it's EBI rules, so if he can yeah. fend him off during normal regulation – once that goes to overtime, you literally choose the submission start point where the match moves from for each round. So either he's yeah. not going to know where it's coming from for the first part, or he will know where it's coming from when we get to overtime. Yeah. I, I just think that Craig Jones is going to be – this type of grappling is like chess. You have to think 30 moves ahead, and unless you hit that you're in the right section there, you're not thinking 30 moves ahead, guess what? You're going to end up losing. I don't think Kevin Casey's going to be able to outthink him that many moves ahead. No. Hi, Larry. Mandalorian. Hi, Larry. <laughs> Mandalorian. Oh, kids these days. No, I, I, I think it's going to be a good matchup. Kevin Casey is a legitimate great grappler, but I, I think the thing that's really going to make or break it for me is if they start it with – Craig Jones standing in the meme position from Submission Underground 11 that they turned into with one hand on the fence and one hand out for his teammate to make a tag. Uh, to Uncle Chael's credit, when that last match was over, because Craig Jones was part of the tag team match for last time, and was photographed by the great Esther Lynn in a very Titanic-esque reaching out pose from the fence and then they turned that into a meme contest <laughs> for yeah. the following like week and a half and there was some just beautiful gems that came out of it so i i think that's going to be the deciding factor for me is if we actually get to see craig jones embracing the suck hi Lumi, bye Lumi. if, if we I get to see craig jones embracing it she's popping in for a casual yeah i was wondering that's what i figured was happening when larry popped in but you know, apparently Casualist again. <laughs> uh. 
going to be an interesting weekend, that's for sure. Yep, yeah, absolutely. At least there's something. Thank God there's something. That's what I said. It re- realistically, the fact that we've got something this weekend is is enough for me. Even if it ends up being dull and boring fucking matches, it's still something. And at this point, we're already two weeks removed from our last something, and at least two weeks plus out from our next potential something. So I'm just happy that Uncle Chael was willing to stand up and keep his fucking foot put down, that everything was set in place, everything was done precautionary to make sure this is safe as it can be and it's going forward so for that all we can really and do hopefully, is thank hopefully we see hopefully we see that as a trend you know you know you do everything you can yeah if, if done properly and done safely realistically it still can be done you yeah. just can't be rushed and you can't half-ass it you have to pay attention and you have to do it properly but it can still be done i think i don't know i'm hoping it works out I hope it works out beautifully. But that's all we got for this particular episode, folks. So before we run it around the room, if we gave you some interesting points this evening, give us a thumbs up. If we gave you some news you you weren't aware of yet and you can appreciate that, maybe subscribe. We try and do this every week. If we brought things to your attention that you didn't know, if we gave you a valid point to sit and ponder on later on throughout the evening... Share an episode. We're trying to grow this damn thing. On the other side of that coin, if we're just a couple of dumbasses sitting in front of our computer not knowing what the fuck we're derp to derping about, give us a thumbs down because we earned it. And we won't dispute that in the least. But with that being said, I do want to thank these fine folks for coming out to be part of this shenanigan shit show with me in this crazy time that we live in. So... If folks want to keep the best update on what that Northwest Regional Contagion is looking like at this point, how can they keep tabs on you, Fresh 03? Uh, just subscribe to the channel, Fresh 03. I'm easy to find. I'm all over the place. Uh, I don't believe I'm doing a... I forget which day I'm not doing a show, because uh, I think the True Vapors are Tomorrow doing night. a... Uh, the Vaping Misfits. Tomorrow night. They're doing a uh, mental health stream. I believe it's on the 28th. So that may be Saturday. I may not be doing a show. I may be doing a show tomorrow. But I'm trapped at home. I'll, I'll go live whenever the whenever the fudge I want, unless there's a mental health screen. <laughs> and I'll totally step back. But that's all. I mean, that's that's all I got. Uh, enjoy the fights this weekend. Hopefully, hopefully they're able to pull it off. Hopefully, all the safety precautions in place will allow the allow the event to take place. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. Something. Like I said, it's something. Hell I'll be yeah. happy to watch. Hell yeah. Well, thank you very much for your time, sir. Much appreciated. My pleasure. And then, at this point, if somebody needs to know what the best place to watch a UFC event or get a stockpile of Purell in the Green Bay regional area is, how can they get a hold of you, TJ? Right here. Off T-Vapes. On the YouTubes. Wednesday nights, 9.30 Central Time, or also on the Instagrams, shoot me a DM. I won't post on there, but I will indeed respond to DMs. And a little tidbit of information that I forgot to speak about earlier that I just wanted to make sure everybody was aware of. Keep your radar open for the GOAT, Artem Lobov. He is currently um, trying to get a one-fight deal with the UFC for UFC Dublin to fight a one 
Zubaira Trugoff. Yep. Yeah. So, just as well, FYI, it, it could it could possibly happen, especially since they're trying to sling shit together. Right. And it, he only wants one fight deal because apparently he wants to get back in the bare knuckle boxing, which I'm yeah. perfectly all right with. But I also want to see him finish that fucking melee shit that went down with the one we were talking about earlier, Conor McGregor. You know. <laughs> Hell yeah. It'll be interesting, that's for sure. See what happens with that. Hopefully they let that happen because that's going to be a big fight lead up. But, you know, keep your ears open, guys. But definitely enjoy Submission Underground this week, and it's going to be fantastic. Absolutely. Thank you again for your time, sir. Much appreciated. Well, with that being said, folks, that's all we've got for this particular evening. So I would ask that at this point, everyone, when you're done, just in general principle, go wash your fucking hands. Just so that it's still muscle memory. Even if you've just been sitting at your damn computer, go wash your fucking hands. Because that's the most important thing we can do in these crazy times that we are in. Aside from staying the fuck home and not going in our car and drunk driving and shooting guns off. John! But that being said, we're going to go ahead and get the fuck out of here. So remember, don't let ignorance stop you. You can root for anything. Unless it's this weekend's UFC London card. Or thinking that Epstein really killed himself. Because if you think those are a thing, then all I can say is... Lightning In fact it was a little bit frightening